Man, is it that time already? Kick it! Whoa, it's the Greg Carrasco Show. Get this party on the road. How fast can this ride go? Whoa, yeah. Celebrity guests from the East Coast to the West. Who knows who he has next? At Greg Carrasco, trending Twitter like a bomb. Tens of thousands on his lawn. He's even followed by your mom. What? Broadcasting live. Here is your warning. The topics are flowing every Saturday morning. Car talk like Sherlock. The guy knows wheels like a Dow stock. Movie talk on a boardwalk. Shoot facts like a tomahawk. So entertaining. Turn up the station. There's no more waiting. The show is beginning. It's too late to escape. Let's go. Here's your host, Greg. Here we are again. Good morning, Slackers. Slacker Nation congregates here on TSN on Saturday morning. Joining me today, Ken Stapon. Ken, how are you, man? Doing well. Happy to be here again. Second week of the Greg Carrasco Show on TSN 1050. <laughs> and let's keep the positive momentum going forward after I thought we started off strong with a great show last week. You know, I... Um, Last week was the first time that I was on air after what five six weeks, and uh, I um, honestly I was so so stressed out about that first show, and uh, I think that if if we set the bar last week, um, you know, it can only go up from here, and it's it's amazing um, the response that we've received from listeners and uh, and followers of uh, the social media accounts has been phenomenal this week. I keep getting emails, you know. You you don't realize how many people are still not in in contact with uh, with radio people on on social media. I have posted this everywhere, and I get emails. Hey, Greg, where are you? <laughs> like, what, what do you want me to do, man? I I can't reach everyone. We have a giant ad in the newspaper this morning telling everyone to tune in. TSN ten fifty is where he's at. But um, what else can we do to reach these people, Ken? Well, there's a number of ways. Uh, you can use the hashtag SlackerNation on Twitter. <laughs> we'll be getting to those tweets throughout the show. Also, if you follow Greg on Instagram, which I know a number of the slackers do, you can reach us through Instagram. Just comment on his most recent posts, and we'll get to some of those. Greg, you can help out the people with the hashtag for those who don't follow you on Instagram. What's the handle? It's uh, SlackerNation.com. Uh, no, SlackerNation is the, is the hashtag, but uh, it's at Greg Carrasco. Now, you can find me anywhere and everywhere. So if you want to download the podcast, you can go to um, my YouTube channel, uh, at Greg Carrasco. You can go to GregCarrasco.com. You're going to find it there. Uh, or if you, if you want to get some of what I do on the radio here uh, personally, you can come and see me at uh, Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. And I have to tell you, the... Um, what is happening at Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity is uh, it's nothing short of uh, miraculous. It's remarkable. It's it's outstanding. Um, within you know, I took over the company about nine months ago, Ken, and uh, in a, in a matter of nine months, we have been able to go from number sixty in the province of Ontario, and in May we finished number one in Ontario in sales. In June we finished, I believe, is number five. Now, for for those of you that are listening to the show, it may not mean much to you. Um, but I can tell you why this is of significance. You see, um, Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity are the first 
Nissan Infinity store combinations in the country that don't have commissioned salespeople. Everybody that works for me on the sales floor at those two stores are on salary. So we we are changing the business model and this is resonating all over Southern Ontario. And regardless of the brand that people are looking at buying, uh, they're coming down to the stores simply to experience that 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 new idea of no commission, uh, no pressure, straightforward, transparent approach that uh, sometimes is difficult to comprehend. So one of the things that we've done, Ken, at, at uh, Oakville Nissan as well as Oakville Infinity is this. Um, you know, the whole concept of negotiation is an illusion. Um, you know, some time ago, somebody thought of an idea of giving the consumer the illusion that you can go to a car dealership and negotiate and win. And and this is something that <laughs> cracks me up all the time. You know, I want to come down and see you, Greg, but I have to wait for my aunt or uncle that he's bought a bunch of cars so he knows what he's doing. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. He, does, he has no idea. Because what I can tell you is this, that if, if this didn't make sense for the dealer, it doesn't matter how good that person is that is going to help you buy a car. The dealer wouldn't, would have never sold you the car. We, you know, it's, it's, try to make people understand that, Ken. It's, it's, it's a very difficult thing to do. Come on, Greg. You don't know my uncle. You don't know what a heckler he is, what a stickler he is. He really gives those car guys the business when he goes in there. No, at the end of the day, the dealership is cutting a deal to make money. So to think that when you're going in there that you're going to get one over on them just because you have experience buying a car or you bring, you know, a relative who knows something or whatever the pretense might be, the deal ultimately should make sense for both parties. And I think in most cases, the dealer is going to walk away feeling pretty good about the price that they got you on at the end of the day. Well, you know, it's, this is this is the beauty about having, you know, Ken Stapon here on the show with me because uh, uh, there is a lot of things that uh, that we are going to be able to share with each other and uh, a lot of the stuff is not going to make sense to you, Ken, at first anyways. But once we uh, once we get to know the, 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 the ideas behind of what I try to teach the listener uh, when it comes to car purchasing methodology, uh, then you'll understand that this is a lot simpler. Let me give you an example, uh, Ken. The average gross profit, and I'm talking gross profit the dealership makes, on the transactional uh, value of a car purchase in the Southern Ontario or GTA area is $390 worth of gross profit on the actual sale of a car. Wow, that low, eh? Yes, it's, it's actually less than 1%. And uh, a lot of people think that because you're buying a five, fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollar car, that the dealership is making ten, fifteen thousand dollars, and that was not a problem created by the car dealerships, believe it or not. It was created by the manufacturer putting incentives, you know, giving people the illusion that they were getting this crazy amount of money back. So you you will see ads on 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 the radio and on TV with car manufacturers saying that you know we're giving you twenty thousand dollars off. They may be right, but that's not coming from the dealer. It's coming from the manufacturer. So that gives the consumer the wrong idea that dealerships are making that kind of money. And that has never been the case because those incentives are so vented by the manufacturer. They're not internally promoted. And in that right there is where the problems begin. So, folks, what I can tell you is this. Nissan right now, Nissan is taking a pretty interesting approach, and uh, we uh, we have a three-day sale right now. So from Thursday until today, the end of the day, you can uh, lease a Sentra, a 2020 Sentra S for $279 a month plus tax with nothing down. You can also lease a Nissan Kicks S 2020 for 
279 a month plus tax with zero dollars down and uh, if you do it um, by the end of today they will include all the oil changes for the duration of your lease and this is a 39 month lease so this is a pretty short term lease and on top of that you get all the oil changes included or you can get $500 cash back it doesn't matter what you do it's, it's essentially the same thing oh tell me more <laughs> <laughs> if you if you happen to be looking at a luxury car right now, uh, you may want to consider Oakville Infinity. And the reason why I say this to you is because, in in my humble opinion, Infinity is quite possibly one of the most underrated luxury car manufacturers on the planet. Uh, anything that you can find out of the German manufacturers, you're going to find it at Infinity, except that you are going to get it for less. Now, some may, you know, have, uh, you know, a problem with me classifying or putting Infinity into a value luxury proposition. But the, the reality is this, folks, that I've said it this a million times on my show over the last decade and a half. Cars are a giant waste of money. I'm going to say this again, because this is coming from a car person that runs car dealerships for a living and that has an automotive show. Cars are a giant waste of money. And the amount of money that you spend on that car is almost always, and I say almost always, directly related to the level of insecurities that you have. So yeah, let's, let's just call it for what it is. What are your thoughts on that one, uh, Ken? Oh, listen, it's one of those things that you're purchased. It's obviously a big decision because most people are going to be driving this thing for the next two years, three years, four years. If you're buying it, perhaps even longer than that. And with the amount of money you're investing, as soon as you drive this car off the lot, it's already depreciating in value. So from that sense, if it if it drives, you know, if it floats, it's automatically going to be not necessarily a big return on investment that you're looking for. So you have to make sure that you're making the right decision for yourself long term based off of what you're going to need the car for, the uses that you're going to need, the budget that you have set out for the car, and make sure that you're not overextending yourself unnecessarily because I under, from what I understand, that's another big mistake that people make when they're buying an automobile. You know, what I can tell you is this, folks, that, uh, you know, Today, we're going to dedicate a tremendous amount of time as to how to teach you how uh, or what are the, the most important things that you need to do before you leave the house when you're looking at buying a vehicle. And I will take a tremendous amount of time explaining this to you because there's a lot of things that you may not even know. But going back to the offers that we had at Oakville Infinity, right now you can get 0% financing on any in-stock 2019 and 2020 in-stock. And you can get up to $7,500 rebate on select models from the manufacturer, not from the dealer, from the manufacturer. We're also paying for the first two years worth of maintenance, and this is all going to be on the house. So if you can find an equivalent offer for from any luxury car manufacturer, I, I don't know what to say to you, but I know that Infinity is the only one that is offering 0% financing up to 84 months in some cases on a luxury car. Right now, I, I think that if you look at the Infinity Q50 and also the QX50, it's quite possibly the best value proposition in the entire luxury car market. Let's, Folks, let's take a small break. And on the other side of the break, we're going to teach you things. You're going to learn things with me. The phone lines are open, 416-870-1050. Let's take a small break on The Carrasco Show. Call me, don't worry. 
up Toronto when the boogeyman goes to sleep he checks under his bed for me Ken Shamrock here and you're listening to the Greg Carrasco show TSN 1050 hello Toronto What's up, everybody? This is Randy Couture. And if I'm not beating people up, I'm listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. Give it a listen. Take care. Anything she needs, she can call me. Don't worry about it. That's my seat. Oh, that's all me. Just know if you cross her, then you cross me. Cross me. Cross me. If you, if you, if you, if you. Anything she needs, she can call me. Don't worry about it. That's my seat. Oh, that's all me. Just know if you cross her, then you cross me. Cross me. Cross me. If you, if you. She ain't messing with no other man. Here we are. Every Saturday morning, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. is a meeting of the minds. Something that I need to make perfectly clear to everybody, the show uh, welcomes your input. So if at any point you happen to disagree with me, and which is perfectly fine, uh, the only thing that I ask is you, you have a well-constructed argument. And we all my theories, all my sharings, all my experiences is open for discussion. Um, and, and it's one of the beauties of having evidence-based thinking. I am never convinced of anything. If you provide me with better evidence on what you're saying, I am perfectly okay to say, okay, man, I follow you. I see you. I'm good. So if you have a question, if you have a concern, if you have any issues, you have grievances, beefs, anything like that, you can call the show 416 870-1050, and if you're calling from out of town, is 1-855-591-6876. Or you can send your questions on social media. You just have to punch in at Greg Carrasco, and you're going to find me just about everywhere. Um, these days, I happen to spend most of my time on Instagram, um, you know, from a business standpoint and from a personal standpoint. I, I think the world is, if there is any hope for the world to survive this mess that we are in, are memes. <laughs> I have uh, the brilliance, the, the humor, man. It's like every day there's somebody that comes up with something absolutely ridiculous that makes me laugh for no reason other than the fact that somebody just puts it out on the web. I don't know if you do the same thing, Ken, but uh, Instagram is, uh, brings great joy to my life. No, I'm a big memes guy myself. Uh, obviously, Instagram, the best medium to find those, but also on Twitter, Reddit. I mean, these things are so preposterous and sort of make light of a lot of the political stuff going on, a lot of the more seriousness in the world. I mean, there's so much time to address that. Every once in a while, it's nice to just take a little bit more of a lighter attitude and just kick back and have a good laugh. So big meme guy myself, and it's a, integrate itself as a huge part of the culture now. You know, I, I, you know, reading about social media, and I, and I was a very early adopter. I mean, our stores, when I was uh, when I was working at 401 Dixon Nissan, which is where I started my career, uh, we were selling cars on Facebook back in 2008. Ken, uh, people are literally just doing that right now. If, was, if you if if you start doing this right now, you're too late. That was uh, back. Late. 2008 was back when I was graduating high school, Greg. So I wasn't necessarily in the car. Just to put in perspective for you, how how long you've been in the car automotive business for? Well, uh, I started in the car industry, and you know, honestly. 
age has a funny way to make things very foggy. Um, my best recollection is at the end of uh, 1992, 1993, I, I had just spent some time with the Canadian Army. And... Um, I could barely speak English at the time, uh, and somebody gave me an opportunity at uh, out of four hundred one Dixon Nissan. I, I went through a very crazy uh, interview process, and uh, the guy that uh, interviewed me at the time is Gary Bowman, and I know that he's listening to the show. He's a big fan of what I do. Uh, I think that I, I'm one of the um, the only guys that made it um, at the time. The dealership would hire uh, salespeople in batches, like you know five, six, seven, eight people, a batch of eight, and uh, nobody would make it. And they would just throw you without a lot of training on the sales floor. And, uh, you know, you, you ate what you killed. And uh, a lot of people didn't survive. So it was a ruthless, ruthless industry. Uh, we, I remember that there was no such a thing as minimum wage. Uh, because I was new at the time, they would give me $200 a week. Uh, the uh, people that listen to my uh, to my sales meetings on on Monday mornings at all of the stores that I have run, I always tell the story of the cup of soup. Ken, um, when I started selling cars, I was a new immigrant, man. You know, English was not a thing, and you know, today is still arguably not a thing. But uh, uh, <laughs> we 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 were so broke, Ken. We were so broke that you know, two hundred dollars a week would give you enough money to buy maybe thirty to forty uh, those packets of cup of soup. So that's all I ate for the, the probably the three or four months that I started in the car industry. And, you know, I don't know if you know what happens to you folks when you eat too much sodium. Uh, you start growing. You start accumulating water. Growing and, not uh, in the good way. No, <laughs> I assume you know, getting a little I, bit more I got bloated, really uh, sick. Going up a couple gene sizes. I got really sick. I ended up in the hospital with this crazy water retention problem because I was only eating a couple of soups. <laughs> but, you know, the, the car industry has, has changed, has changed so much over the years. And uh, the, the unfortunate thing is that as an industry, when, when you, you see, whenever you have, there are three different stages of an industry. You have an emerging industry uh, that uh, is creating new products, trying to find its way within the consumer mindset. And then you have maturing or mature industries that, um, that are in a position in which they, 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 now everybody is out there, everybody's selling the product, and at that point, they become commoditized, that it is very, very difficult for you to make any money if you get into those industries. Let me give you an example. Um, at one point, Tim Horton's franchises were a gold mine. Uh, not so much anymore when you have one around the corner of every single household in, in the province of Ontario. The other ones were gas stations. At one point, it was a very lucrative thing to have a gas station. But the more of these things you put out there, the, the more difficult it becomes to make money. So now that the car industry has become a highly commoditized, mature industry, now becoming profitable in any way has more to do with internal processes and systems and, you know, streamlining their expenses. So on that basis, dealerships now are faced with different challenges. Um, how can you do more for less? How can you become more efficient? And, and this is the part that, uh, you know, I, I want to share with you folks today that like that, I would say that the vast majority of car dealers, uh, are new car dealerships that I know in, in the province of Ontario, uh, in, especially in the GTA, they, they are looking at their business with very critical eyes. I don't know very many of them that are not highly concentrated in customer satisfaction. And at the end of it all, they want to make friends with their consumers. Now, saying that, 
you will still find some bad apples. So I'm going to show you ways in which you can select, you can, you can walk your way through the weeds of car buying experiences. And uh, so you are not taken for a ride. Let's say that you don't have that uncle that knows how to buy cars. Well, now you have me. And you're going to say, but Greg, isn't this a conflict of interest? Um, maybe. But, you know, you Thank just you. listen. <laughs> just listen to what I'm saying and make your own decisions. I'm not saying that I have the monopoly on truth. No one has. But I can tell you that almost I have put on the road almost 50,000 car transactions. Believe me, I know a Ooh. thing or two about buying cars, selling cars, selling cars, trading cars. So I'm going to I'm going to share with you a couple of things Ken and, and maybe if if feel free to stop me at any time Ken if you have a question about anything, okay? Yeah, for sure. So when you go out into a car dealership, you need to be aware of a couple of things. You need to be aware of the dance. You know, the whole concept as I was saying before the break of negotiation is an illusion. So if you ask the vast majority of people, what is it that they hate the most about a car dealership? They will tell you one thing. What do you think that is, Ken? Well, I have a certain thing, idea that you're going to enlighten us, but I would assume that the biggest takeaway, well, at least from my experience, is that the dealer is always out to get you and that they're going to be the ones walking away with a profit at the end of the day versus the customer who's, who may think that they walk away with a good deal. But in hindsight, it was actually just, as you said, a dance that the dealership put them through to soothe their nerves. And at the end of the day, it's the dealership that's making all the money. Okay. That is a very, very valid and accurate misconception out there. But I can tell you this. One of the things, one of the number one things that people hate about car shopping and car dealerships is negotiation. But I can tell you this. One hundred percent of the time, negotiations are not initiated by the dealer. They're initiated by the customer. The customer hates it because they lose. You see, you cannot go into a negotiation in which someone holds all the cards. You cannot go into a negotiation and win when somebody holds all the information. You are always putting yourself at a disadvantage. You, you, do you know what I'm saying, Ken? So, yeah. So you would never go into a situation where you didn't have your own best interests in mind. And I think what you're getting at is that a lot of people perhaps go into the negotiation where they're going to buy a new car without the prerequisite knowledge or tools or the proper research done beforehand to make them successful in that negotiation. And absolutely. And I think that, that one of the, that's one of the biggest challenges that we have today. You see, my old boss used to say, whenever emotions get involved, logic is the first victim. And car manufacturers over the last 120 years have spent billions and billions and billions of dollars getting you emotionally attached to the highest depreciating asset on the face of the planet, folks. You see, the moment that you have any sort of feelings about driving a specific brand, like it makes you feel good, it makes you feel sexy, it makes you feel successful or powerful or smart or, or any adjective that has to do with an emotion that you're feeling towards something that should be quite possibly the most logical financial decision that you ever made, the marketing companies have actually won. You see, and, and I, how can I put this into, into terms that, that make sense to, to the population right now? Uh, somebody said to me once, if you, if you have any feelings when you are 
hungry other than being hungry. Like, for example, you get angry. You know, people call it hangry, right? You know, you get in, you go in a really bad mood. That's or, me, Greg. You know, I, I know. Big, I, and get, then, I get big time hangry when I haven't had my cup of noodles. And it's just, it, it, it's such an easy fix, but I, my mood completely changes. But what I can tell you is this, you know, if you feel, if you feel stressed, if you feel angry, if you feel uh, lonely and sad, and then when you eat this thing, you feel exhilarated or you feel happy or you feel lethargic and then you need to go for a nap. Let me tell you something. You have a very unhealthy relationship with food. There is only one thing that should happen when you eat something. You should feel hungry or not hungry. That's it. You see, and, and the same thing applies to a car. A car is a commodity. A car is a thing. It's got no feelings. It doesn't care about you. It doesn't care what color it is. It doesn't care how much your payment is. A car has only one purpose, to take you from A to B, safe and fast, with a price that actually makes sense for you. So there is one thing that I need to share with you folks, and you may not know this, and I may lose a cup, you know, a bunch of things on, on a bunch of people on the show right now. There is one practice that drives me absolutely insane. And um, over the last few weeks, I keep hearing from listeners and callers and, and fans of the show that this is still being promoted. There is a very, very ancient um, negotiation tool that is called a four square. Okay, four square, <laughs> four square is, is a tactic. It's a negotiation tactic to confuse the consumer. Now, I would say that a very, very small group of dealerships are doing this still. And the way that you recognize this, folks, is by you being presented with a piece of paper that has four squares, hence the name. Pretty straightforward. Four squares. <laughs> yes, pretty straightforward. And the, every one of those squares are named. And uh, in one of the squares, you're going to see your trade in value. The other one is going to be your purchase price. At the bottom, you're going to see one box with down payment. And the other box is going to say monthly payment. Folks, you need to listen to me on this. Um, number one, if I ever catch any one of my salespeople doing this to somebody, I will let them go. I promise you. But if, if you are ever presented with this, you need to understand that this is not a safe environment unless you know what you're doing. Because if you are being presented with this, you are about to get four squared and it's not a good thing. You need to stand up and you need to call me. Or you need to stand up and send me an email and say, Greg, what dealer do you recommend that doesn't do this? Uh, and once you get that established, you're going you're gonna to find yourself in a much, much better or safer position in relation to uh, find an, a, a suitable negotiation or a suitable outcome of your car transaction. So let's get started. You know, these are going to be the top 10 most important things. You got some things. splitting to do. <laughs> you know, these are the top 10 things that you need to know before you go out and buy a car. Number 10, you must, you have to do everything possible to set the budget at home. It is imperative that you set your monthly payment or whatever it is that your boundaries are, the overall price, everything that has to do with your finances. You need to determine this before you leave your house. If you are driving out to a dealership today and you don't know what your parameters are, you need to turn around because you're going to make a mistake. 
Don't make your budget fit the car. Do it the other way around. You see, many people go in there and they say, ah, you know, I don't, I don't know what I want to spend. You know, at that point, you are putting yourself in a very serious disadvantage. Why? Because if I don't know what you want to spend, how do you know that you're not overspending? The, the large majority of people, you know, can, this is one of the challenges that I have at the store all the time, is when you tell somebody you're buying too much, they look at you as if you have three heads, as if they've never heard anyone trying to downsell them in, instead of upsell them. And one of the things that I tell folks on, on the phone and on the radio here often is that underbuy, overprotect. Underbuy, overprotect. Buy the least expensive vehicle that suits all of your needs and then buy yourself some extended warranty. Make sure that you keep this vehicle until the end. If they have a, a maintenance package that is going to allow you to have the, the, the peace of mind of this vehicle not breaking down, add it to it. So what, what you don't want are surprises. So if you set your parameters before you leave the house, guess what? You are never going to overspend, folks. And that is the number one mistakes that people make when they're going out of their houses into a dealership to buy a car. Do you have any thoughts on that, Ken? Uh, one thought on the extended warranty in particular. Uh, this is not from my personal experience, from, yep. from personal experience of friends who have bought, purchased new cars and had extended yep. warranties. Yep. Uh, in times past, they've taken the car in to honor the extended warranty and then found yep. out that the work that needed to be done actually wasn't covered under the warranty that they paid for. So how would you put people's mind at ease that the extended warranty is actually going to cover all the issues that are going to come up with this car down the road? Because I know oftentimes, I'm not saying this is the case at your dealership, but some of your competitors' dealerships uh, in, in the past, there's a lot of loopholes and there's a lot of fine print at the bottom of these contracts that actually get the person who signs the extended warranty into more trouble at the end than, you know, putting their mind at ease and just being able to get the work done with no issues. Well, this is what I can tell you. If you are buying, Please, my a, head. if you're buying a vehicle of a specific brand, let's say that you buy yourself a Nissan and you are buying a non Nissan warranty, that's your first red flag. Number one. Number two, there is a lot of confusions on the definitions of an extended warranty. You see, a lot of people confuse repairs and maintenance with warrantable items. And uh, there is a huge difference between the two. Every single machine on the planet, after you use it for a certain period of time, in a certain number of times, the parts are going to start wearing down. But that doesn't mean that there is a factory defect with the, the the machine or the item that you are using. Let me give you an example. Brakes and rotors and tires and headlights, for example, will never be covered under any warranty unless you have a specific warranty that will cover your road hazard, which happens to be an accident. But brakes, brakes are such individual part of a vehicle and individual part of the driving habits that people have that they will never be covered by anyone. You know the number of times that I have had to have some discussions with customers thinking that the brakes should be covered? So I think that there is a lot of there is a lot of problems with the explanation of what warranty covers. But what I can say to you is this, Ken, that I run car dealerships for a living. And my son drives a 2019 Hyundai Elantra that I bought when I was running the Hyundai store. And guess what? I bought an extended warranty. So 
I can say all I want about extended warranties, but if I don't practice what I preach here, then you have to start second guessing my decisions. So what I can tell you is the following. If you have a vehicle right now and you have a loan for five, six, seven, eight year loans, because those are very common and believe it or not, I am not against them because loans are like a mortgage. You know, a loan just ultimately determines, oh, we need to, we need to take a small break, folks. Uh, you know, we, we can talk about this forever. So let's, let's take a small break and I will continue with the explanation of the extended warranty. Um, you know, call us 416-870-1050 is the Carrasco show. We're just, we're just teaching you things. Me gusta mi reggae. Cuando yo la vi, dije si esa mujer fuera. Hi guys, this is Roberto Alomar, and you are listening to the one and only The Greg Carrasco Show. Ladies and gentlemen, there's a new radio show coming to TSN 1050. My name is Sean Avery. I love getting under people's skin, but not as much as this guy. You're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show on TSN 1050. I get in the car or start playing, you know, doing some jujitsu here in the house, it's gonna have to play on the radio. Get it's Folks. provocative, gets the people going, <laughs> you know, anything that gets your head bobbing is a, is a good thing, folks. You're listening to the Greg Carrasco show, the Greg Carrasco show, and Ken Stapon with you here on TSN 1050. We're streaming on TSN. 1050.ca, or you can find us on iHeartRadio app. I'm, I'm sure that many of you will have it. You can also connect with us through the show on um, hashtag Slacker Nation or on Instagram at, at Greg Carrasco. You can find us anywhere. Or you can simply call the show at 416-870-1050, or you can call us toll-free at 1-855-591-6876. What were we talking about before the break, Ken? Oh, we were just talking about a lot of things that the people should know before buying a new car. And I know that a lot of the listeners will be yep. apprehensive about this topic. And Greg, you being a veteran of the automotive business, you can sort of put some of those concerns at ease for the listeners. You know, you're, you, you brought up a very interesting point here, which is the extended warranty. And, uh, you know, this is what I can tell you, folks. Um, anecdotal experience it is by far, okay, let's put it this way, anecdotal experience and memory are the two most unreliable sources of information. Just because something happened to someone doesn't mean anything. The data is what should really matter. And the data is the following, that the data says that people that buy extended warranties, by and large, are far more satisfied with the dealership where they bought the vehicle from. Uh, it, it reduces the amount of problems that you have in the long term. And also, as I was saying before the break, 
if you have a vehicle on a loan for five, six, seven, eight years, because I don't disagree with that, believe it or not, um, you know, mortgage uh, loans, car loans like a mortgage, uh, they just put an end term. But that doesn't mean that you have to carry the loan until then. You can pay it off whenever you want. But if you have a car payment and you don't have some sort of an insurance against the functionality of that item, you are taking a gamble. And unfortunately, there is a lot of gamblers out there. So I would never have a loan without an extended warranty, just like I would never have a lease without a lease and protection. That's a bit of a problem. So let's let's go to the next point. Point number nine, you know, buy the least expensive car that your ego will allow you to feel comfortable inside. You know, when this is all said and done, nobody really cares what you drive. No one really does. But the problem is this, that you're the one that is stuck with the car payments. Be sensible. I'm not saying not to look after yourself because, you know, some of us work really, really, really hard. You know, you're putting in 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 hours a week. And if you want to treat yourself with a car, do it. You know, I like watches. I treat myself with a watch from time to time. You know, but what I'm saying to you is that the only person that cares about what you're driving, believe me, folks, is you. No one else. The next point, number eight. Buy the car for the rule, not for the exception. You know, if once a year you have family coming from overseas and you, at that point you have five, six, seven people in, in, the, uh, in the car, great. Rent a car for that week. Rent a car for that month. You don't need to buy a giant eight-passenger SUV and spend all those monies on gas for something that is far bigger than you'll ever need. We've all seen those people driving around in Oakville with a giant 10-passenger SUV, luxury SUV, $150,000 car, and you have one person in the machine. You know, if you talk about excess can... You know, I, I see this all the time. You know, just like, uh, you know, Mercedes-Benz C-classes are like Oakville's Honda Civics. They are everywhere. <laughs> they are everywhere. Talk about privilege. <laughs> no, and like you said, I think that's a big mistake that people make is rather than buying a car that's going to suit your needs, it's you buy a car because of, A, the outward perception and what you think that car is going to say to other people, which I got to be honest, like you said, I couldn't care less about what you're driving as long or like to me, it's more about just what I'm driving and making sure it's the right fit. The other thing is I think this is a big mistake that people make is they look at obscure circumstances. Oh, I might need the extra passenger space. I might need this. I might need to, you know, the that four-wheel drive in the snow, but maybe mm -hmm. you don't live in a... I know that's big for us here in Canada, but if you're, you know, living somewhere where it's a warmer, you know, warmer climate, climate yeah. then you don't necessarily need that four-wheel drive or that all-wheel drive. I mean, it's not like you're going off-wheeling in the woods here. So it's understanding your habits and what you do and what you're going to need out of the car and making sure that you're comfortable just to reiterate what you were saying as being the most important things when you're getting into a new automobile. You know, and, and, and building on what you just said, that a lot of people buy themselves these uh, off-roading SUVs. And I see that all the time, and it cracks me up. In but, Toronto uh, all the time, man. Yeah, these in big Toronto, Jeep all the... Rubicons driving <laughs> you know, listen down to this. King Street. And it's like, oh, man, this Did thing probably gets know... six miles to the gallon. <laughs> Did you know that if the manufacturer or the car dealership finds out that you went off-roading with your vehicle, you are automatically voiding your warranty? 
So they are literally advertising the one thing that you can do with a car that will void your warranty. So if, if you bought one of those off-roading vehicles, folks, <laughs> you need to be very, very careful with what you're doing with the car. And off-roading is not an acceptable behavior or acceptable activity when it comes to SUVs and the all-wheel drive system. So let's go to number seven. Especially if you have a Nissan Maxima, Greg, I would not <laughs> recommend hitting, hitting the, the, the dirt trails. <laughs> How about a GTR? If, you know, the funny thing is that if you take the GTR to a track and, and somebody finds out that you that you took a GTR for a track, guess what? Your warranty, gone. You have no protection anymore. But um, number seven, in the absence of a crystal ball, previous behavior is the best way to determine what you will do with your payments, kilometers, and driving habits. So for example, unless you have a dramatic change in your personal or professional life, let's say that you used to drive for a living, now you don't. Or let's say that you met somebody and Oops, accidentally they got pregnant with triplets. Uh, the chances are that you will not be uh, comfortable spending any more or any less or driving any more or any less that you have done for the last five, six, seven, you know, 10 years. You know, going to the wilderness, you know, for some off-roading is certainly not the right thing to do. And uh, believe me, if you haven't been off-roading in the last 25 years of your life, you may do it once, you may do it twice, but it's not something that will stick. And we see this happening time and time again. Number six. Under no circumstance, folks, let your emotions guide you through a car purchase. The system was built for you to make a mistake and fall in love with that shiny yellow Camaro. You know, that specialty car are awesome for six months, maybe. Then reality sets in. The same thing applies to manual transmission. Uh, do I think that is a great life skill for you to have? Absolutely it is. Everyone should know how to drive a manual transmission. Do you think that uh, it's going to uh, uphold your resale value? Eh. That right there, a manual transmission is the most dangerous thing that you can have in your car for your resale value because at that point, you are already losing an additional 30 to 35% on the value of that car simply because nobody knows how to drive them anymore. Yeah, not so to you mention the probably mm -hmm. 60 or 70% of the market that would be in the market for your car because like you said, the manual transmission is the thing of the past. Everybody's so comfortable with the automatics these days. And I think especially when you look at the younger generation, it's becoming more of a lost art. Uh, it is, and it's a very unfortunate thing. I, I do believe that uh, you know driving a manual transmission will keep you your mind more engaged with the whole act of driving a vehicle. Unfortunately, people have better things to do when they're driving, like texting. You know, when, whenever I'm you know riding my motorcycle, I can see this, man. People are not even paying attention driving this, you know, 5,000-pound bullets at 150 kilometers an hour, not even aware that there is a Harley right, in that, right beside them that is as loud as hell, and they still can't see me or hear me. It's terrifying, to be honest with you. But let's go to number five. Remember, folks, there is no such a thing as leasing. Leasing is nothing more than a fancy word that marketing companies came up to replace the term renting. So... Renting a vehicle is exactly what you're doing when you're leasing. Now, you got to remember this. Whenever you're renting a vehicle, you go overseas, you go to Florida, you go to the Caribbean, you rent a car. Would you ever rent a car without all the insurances that the insurance that the rental company is giving you? No. Why not? Because you don't want to have any problems at the end. And you know, you're, you're actually literally renting a car for one, two days, or maybe even a week. And you will never take a chance of not getting themselves insurance on that rental. You would be surprised, Ken, how many people do not get themselves lease and protection on the two, three, four, five-year-long rental agreements. 
It's insanity. What a lot of people don't know, folks, is this that company factors have gotten really smart. So they hired third-party companies to assess and appraise the vehicles at the end of your lease so they can charge you for as many things as they need to charge you for to spend and bring that vehicle up to selling standards so they can capitalize on the return of that car. Don't take a chance. Don't do it. Now, number four, if you happen to lease, under no circumstance, leave the dealership without a lease protection plan. Cars at, at the end of the lease get assessed by this third party. So believe me, folks, don't take a chance. It's not a good idea. Number three, if you happen to finance, do not leave the dealership without an extended warranty. There are over 25,000 parts in every car today. The chances are that at some point, one of those parts is not going to work properly. Now, look at it this way. And I, I use this this analogy, and I know that we don't have a lot a lot of time until we break here. But uh, if you if you take a car that is ninety nine point nine percent reliable, what is that? That leaves me with twenty five parts. Yeah. So a ninety nine point nine percent reliable that leaves you with twenty five parts that are going to break over the next five six years. And if the average bill for a repair at a dealership is $500 <laughs> and you have 25 parts that are potentially going to break, even if you cut that by half, you're still looking at $7,500 worth of repairs on a car for the next seven years. The average extended warranty is $3,000. And not only it will help you solve any unforeseen problems, but also it will help you keep the vehicle on the road without the surprises of the vehicle breaking down when you least expect it. Do you know what I'm saying? Number, Go ahead, Ken. No, I was going to say, I think that's the big value when you look at an extended warranty is more or less just the peace of mind and also negotiating that up front because, you know, the last thing that you need is having a big repair coming down the road, whether it be the transmission or whether it be, you know, the drive shaft, you know, the timing belt, whatever it is that ends up going. That can end up running you, you know, four thousand, five thousand dollars out of pocket very, very quickly. So, even just paying that and negotiating that up front for the peace of mind down the road, probably worthwhile. It's going to save you a lot of headaches. You see, you you only have two types of people, and you have the gamblers and the non-gamblers. And I'm not a gambler. I don't like to take any chances. I am so overinsured, man, that you know I am worth more if I'm not around. If you know what I'm saying. Oh, <laughs> so, Greg. Know, I, I hope that kids, my kids don't get any ideas. But number two, the value of your trading, folks, is not the price that you see on Auto Trader. That is what dealers want to get for that car. But oh! I want you to. <laughs> It happens all the time. You see, that's what dealers want to get for the car. And, and you know, imagine this. If I gave you the price that you get on AutoTrader, how and for how much am I going to sell that car in the market? Am I going to have to sell it for more money than people are asking for that car? It doesn't make any sense. So when you have this situation here, the best thing to do is the following. Number one, come and see me. I do appraisals for free. So if you want to know if somebody's giving you too much or too little for your trade, come and see me. I'll appraise your car and I'll do this service for free for you at Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. We won't charge you because listeners do get benefits of dealing with me. And, but the, the, the most important thing is to ask the dealer, if I don't buy the car from you, will you still be able or willing to buy that car or my trade for the price that you told me? I'll repeat that. 
you get an appraisal at the dealership. You need to ask the dealership the following question. Will you still be willing to buy that trade-in for the price that you gave me if I didn't buy the car from you? If the answer to that is no, then you know that somebody is messing with your feelings. And that's not what we want. We don't want anybody getting my feelings involved when it comes to buying cars. And the number one thing that you need to know, folks, and I, I know that the next guest on my show you know, we had him as Magic Mike on my website. That's the funniest thing that I've seen in a while, Ken. But Money Mike is going to be <laughs> next hour on the show. and He's going to teach us all kinds of cool things. This is something that is always up to, uh, to debate. And this is what I can tell you. Never, ever, 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 ever. You know, he's laughing here right now. Pay cash for a car. You do not want to use your liquid for the highest depreciating asset on the planet if there is an interest rate that is significantly enough and low enough for you to justify getting the returns of that money. This is the Greg Carrasco Show, folks. We need to take a small break. Call us, 416-870-1050, and Money Mike is on the other side of the break. Stay tuned. We'll talk very, very, very shortly. Hey, Greg, Mike Robitaille here. We hear you loud and clear all the way down to Buffalo. And if you can hear my voice, you're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. Man, is it that time already? Kick it! Whoa, it's The Greg Carrasco Show. Get this party on the road. How fast can this ride go? Whoa, yeah. Celebrity guests from the East Coast to the West. Who knows who he has next? Greg Carrasco, trending Twitter like a bomb. Tens of thousands on his lawn. He's even followed by your mom. What? Broadcasting live. Here is your warning. The topics are flowing every Saturday morning. Car talk like Sherlock. The guy knows wheels like a Dow stock. Movie talk on a boardwalk. Shoot facts like a tomahawk. So entertaining. Turn up the station. There's no more waiting. The show is beginning. It's too late to escape. Let's go. Here's your host. Greg Carrasco. And we are back. Ken Stapon here with me on PSN 1050. And you know when, uh, when the song says um, celebrity guest, <laughs> that's what we have in the studio right now. Money Mike. Also known as Magic Mike, but <laughs> let, we're not going to touch on that. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> My wife keeps saying, I don't see the dancing that's supposed to come with that name. <laughs> I don't want to see it either. Stick, stick to the money side, Dad. Man, yeah, Mike. but looking at uh, Ken's stash here, I don't know about that, man. That, you know, honestly, I. I can't get, take my eyes off your stash. Ken, that makes me very, very uncomfortable. <laughs> That's two weeks in a row, Greg. You can't keep uh, your eyes off the caterpillar growing on my upper lip here. So uh, I don't know. I might have to trim it down or do a little something. Maybe go back to the clean shaven look so you're a little bit more at ease at the Zoom call that we got going on here in the background. No, no, it's okay. I mean, I, I accept you. You know, the, uh, you know, my, Thank you, Greg. Uh, my, my, my beard is getting out of control. My son was over last night. And I said, Dad. That's out of control. <laughs> so what are you going to do? When are you going to shave it? It ain't happening, son. Time for you to buy a cabin in the woods. Ooh. Well, 
it might not be a bad idea these days. <laughs> I am finding a lot of answers in solitude these days. But uh, you know, yeah, it is. Uh, it's interesting. It's good to see you, Mike. Good to be seen. Good to be seen. Uh, off air, uh, Mike and I were having, um, as usual, a, a heated debate. Uh, I will introduce him again. Money Mike is the person who manages my finances. And uh, I have been so unbelievably happy with the, the level of trust that I feel with Mike managing my finances that uh, I decided to make that resource available to everybody that listens to my show. Um, as you all know, and you've heard over the years, I do not endorse anyone that I have not done business with. And uh, if I'm not happy with the business, they're not here. <laughs> so Money Mike um, is um, is an expert on personal finances. And uh, with his help, I have been able to um, put together, uh, you know, a plan. You know, I, I was in my 40s, late 30s, 40s, you know, crushing it in, you know, in the car industry, you know, just doing okay. You know, you work really hard. Sometimes the fruits will show, you know, is it was an overnight success that took 30 years to make. <laughs> but I had no plan. I had no idea what the hell I was doing with my money. And, um, you know, then along came Mike. So if you are one of those people, and you need to take a pen and write this number down. It's 905-320-6762. That is Money Mike's direct line. Don't call him now because he's on the show with me. And we are live, believe it or not. And if you have any questions and you want to call the show, it's 416-870-1050. This number is so much easier to remember than the last one. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice. Yeah, it is nice. Or you can send Money Mike an email at moneymike.ca and he will talk to you. Um, Money Mike and I always have the same crazy debate because coming from the car industry, I've always believed and I still believe to this day. And uh, it doesn't matter what Mike says to me. He still hasn't been able to prove this to me in a way that makes sense. But today, actually, he made a pretty good argument. So I am going to surrender to the idea hmm. that he may have a good, uh, a good point here, except that everything gets trumped when you have an interest rate that is below what? Probably below 2%. Okay, so if, uh, if there is a car manufacturer out there that is giving somebody 1.9% uh, rate on a loan, it makes no sense whatsoever to pay cash for that car. None. None whatsoever. Take the cheap money, for sure. So, you see, we are agreeing on something, folks, here. Yeah, yeah. But also, uh, Mike made a very interesting point that I think is important that you guys know. Now, uh, and I have to be careful with this because many of you are going to believe that you can do this on your own. Uh, you may, but it's a very, very small percentage of the population. I, I find myself in a different percentage of the population because I have uh, super weapons like Money Mike that is helping me not make financial mistakes. So can you explain to me in what circumstances um, somebody should be paying cash for a car and not financing it? Sure. So uh, as we said, under 2% finance it take the cheap money that's being offered, stretch it out over as long a period of time as someone's willing to give you. Although I, I think it shouldn't be extended longer than the useful life of that car to you. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't want to be uh, trading it in or getting rid of it and still owe money. Uh, but uh, that being said, beyond that 2% or less loan, you know, a typical car loan out there right now is nearly 6%. Yep. So, Back at the end of last year, when we looked to buy a car for my wife, yeah. um, the idea of taking a 6% car loan, now I'm in a 50% tax bracket. So for me to pay that 6% car loan, I have to earn 12% 
and pay my 50% tax to be left with the 6% to pay the interest on that loan. So paying it off guarantees me a 12% rate of return. So it makes sense for me to do it. However, um, the other side where it, it makes even more sense, if you're not in the position where you get to, to write off car loans or you're not in a high tax bracket, rather than having a car loan at 6% and sitting on cash, you're better to pay off the car loan. And I know your argument was maybe they should invest the cash, take mm -hmm. the car loan, invest the cash. Rather than doing that, take your cash, pay off the car loan, borrow the money to give you the cash back to invest. Now you're paying a lower interest rate than the car loan and the interest is tax deductible to anybody who does that. Yeah, but how many people know how to do this? How many people, you know, one of the topics, uh, actually the, the main reason why you're you know, on the show today is that uh, we, we're going to discuss with you folks when, when you're not dealing with the right financial advisor, and there are many of those ones out there. Believe me, I can tell you, there are many of those ones. So if you are already not, already not dealing with the right financial advisor, how many people would understand the whole concept of doing this? Because it becomes more complex. Now you need mm -hmm. to take your cash, the liquid, you know, and uh, pay down a depreciating asset, then go to your lending institution, borrow the money to invest on a volatile market. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's a terrifying prospect for the average listener, no? Well, I, it shouldn't be. Um, if you're if you believe that there's going to continue to be an economy out there that employs people and those people are going to use the money that they earn working to buy goods and services if you think so then there is a perfectly acceptable environment to invest money in uh, to me taking 30 40,000 50,000 dollars of my money and sticking it in something that someone says to you well you'll lose 30% the second you leave the lot and let me tell you how quickly it will depreciate over time to be worth nothing and for some reason people line up all day long to sink their money into that asset so if that's not a scary proposition to you i i think investing it in a conservative approach not necessarily conservative investments, but a conservative approach with something that over longer periods of time will be worth more than you put in is a much better proposition. Yeah, but I mean, one of the biggest challenges that we have in today's society is the ability to delay gratification. And we all know what that means. Uh, I, three months ago, we were faced with the prospect of, you know, not only your money, but cars, you know, the cars will depreciate 30% in the first year and a half. But now your money in the markets were being depreciated by 30% by the end of March, right? So how do you make a discerning, educated decision on what the best use of, of your money is without the backing of a professional that actually cares? Well, and this is where a lot of people run into the problem of, of making emotional decisions. You know, one of the, the largest jobs that I have is as a behavioral investment advisor, mm -hmm. helping people to respond properly, not to take the wrong actions, not to react emotionally to what's going on in the investment world. Uh, and a lot of that comes down to experience. I think once people have experience and they're educated on the topic, they understand better on, on how to act. But in the short term, like what happened back in March, 
when they see investments go down in the short term, they get panicked. Mm -hmm. And they think, I got to do something to stop that from happening. And they do more harm themselves uh, than they do good. So, I mean, definitely, if you are that type of emotional reactive investor, uh, investing is a very difficult to, thing to do. Borrowing to invest is the last thing you should but, do. But isn't dealing with your own money quite possibly the most emotional thing that you can deal with other than just, you know, you, you, your, your, your physical uh, relationships? I mean, this is a pretty, you know, personal, emotional thing to do, no? Well, it, it, it shouldn't be. Uh, there is a way to make it not emotional, and that is dealing with a professional. I prefer the word professional over expert. Uh, as much as I know, and I tell all my clients I know everything, I don't know everything. Uh, and I never will because this is the, one of the fastest changing industries uh, in, in the world, uh, constantly so. So, you know, working with a professional who has gone through, who understands what's going on, who understands your needs, mm -hmm. uh, can guide you through that process and prevent you from doing the wrong things and reacting emotionally. Folks, if you have any questions, call us. If, uh, if you have, um, you know, the need for financial planning, uh, call the show, 416-870-1050, or you can call us toll-free at 1-855-591-6876. Uh, yeah, ask uh, us some questions. We'll, we'll give you the answers. If I don't have them, I'll, I'll, I'll make something up or I'll look to Greg to answer it. Um. <laughs> I don't know about that. You know, folks, I just had to... Um, um, you know, something that I ordered about three years ago uh, landed uh, this week and uh, I had to cash some investments and uh, um, because there's, you know, keeping money laying around is certainly not, you know, something that, uh, you know, we advise anyways, you know, your money needs to be out there working for you when you're sleeping. That's the whole point. And, uh, you know, by having this discussion with Mike, uh, we had a meeting the other day and, you know, sometimes you have no idea of the other implications that taking money out of your investment could have uh, on, on a yearly basis. Like, I mean, if you cash something, then it gets added to your income. Next thing you know, you, you have a tax burden at the end of the year. Yeah. And um, so these were these were things that uh, you know we we started to explore the other day, and uh, you know from time to time we forget how important it is to have experts in our lives, and uh, if you don't have the proper expert when it comes to managing your own monies, uh, I believe that you're putting yourself in harm's way for no reason. Um, you know, I, I built a career, you know, having a pretty straight moral compass when it comes to my car dealership operations. And uh, now I can understand the value of having the same type of person, the same type of philosophies in the financial side. Um, I asked Mike last week to to pull up one of our first shows that we had together. This was, you know, now it's going to be over a year and a half ago. And um one of the things that um, that I want I wanted him to discuss with all of you listeners today uh, was ways to determine whether you are dealing or not dealing with the right financial advisor. Like, how do you know? Every single bank will have a person that has taken a certification that takes what maybe two, three, four hours to uh, you know to get. Sometimes a little bit longer. Sometimes it's a few weeks. Um, no practical experience, and uh, they they take this um, they, they take these people and um, they try to advise you in how to plan your future when they have no practical experience. Now, 
no disrespect to anyone that started in this because we all started somewhere. I mean, sure. at some point I, I had to go and ask somebody, you know, make me an offer or, you know, do you want to buy the car today? You know, those things that they used to teach you as selling techniques back in the day. Um, you know, and I'm certainly, you know, sensitive to the fact that you started at the bottom and now you're here. Right. Right. Um, so, but saying that, I think that, you know, having people, because I've seen it with your practice, Mike, you have, you know, a group of people that you're mentoring, you have a group of people that work with you, that mm -hmm. can look up to you and your experience and your expertise to guide themselves through the, you know, the complicated world of financial planning. But, you know, saying that, let's start with this. Um, talking down to you or using technical speak, is one of the signs that you that you mentioned this year. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, so the, the list we put together is in no particular order. There's no uh, one thing that's greater than, than any other. It's just sort of pitfalls to look for. But someone who talks down to you and, and talks in technical terms, uh, my experience has been they are trying to impress you with how much they know, how smart they are. And no one really cares how much you know until they know how much you care. So... If, if they aren't bringing the conversation down to your level, because of course everybody has different levels of understanding and, and uh, knowledge in this uh, arena, but they need to meet you at your level. They have to explain what they're recommending to you in, in terms that you can understand. What is, the, what is the benefit of taking this approach to me so that I can understand it? I don't need to, I, I never want to sit here and think, well, clearly you, you've just confused me for 30 minutes, so you must know what you're doing. <laughs> um, and, and that would never make me feel comfortable. It shouldn't make you feel comfortable. And if someone is not willing to take the time to educate you, to make sure you understand what it is they're, they're recommending and why it's in your, your interest to, to take that advice, you shouldn't do it. But, I mean, how do you make the decision? Because, again, there is a specific, you know, um, vernacular that is used in the financial world. Oh, the, yeah. And, oh, we love our jargons and yeah. our, our acronyms and yes. all the industry. You know, full how, of how do you make the decision? Uh, you know, I wouldn't I, I don't like this expression, but, you know, to uh, I guess to water it down, to to dumb it down in a way that it makes sense to people that are not used to listening to the jargon and the acronyms and whatnot, as opposed to just going full force and elevate this people's knowledge into something that they feel more comfortable doing. Because, I mean, you know, we're talking about something pretty significant and is their future, their, their yeah. retirement, their finances. How do you make that decision? Because I, I think the right thing to do can always be easily understood. It, it it there are there are a lot of complications it can be a very technical world and industry that uh, that i'm operating in but it, it doesn't have to be it is very basic uh, the approaches that need to be taken the products that are available understanding them should be simple it should never be so complicated that you need to get a phd to understand it Okay, I, I, I accept that for sure. Um, I, I guess simplicity and, and clarity in the way that things are explained should be one of the number one goals that anyone that works in the service industry, and in this case, communication, uh, because the last thing that you want when it comes to managing your money would be confusion. <laughs> clarity yes. should be number one thing that you need to know. Whether you like that clarity or not should be number one. Uh, number two, you wrote here, put the customer's interest before yours. Uh, you know, you don't want to be rushed on this. No. Um, explain that to me. 
you know, everybody moves at their own pace. And I find that people will make a decision when it makes sense to them to make that decision. And there are times when people are being forced to make a decision in the in the time frame of the person in front of me. Uh, I'm sure you would uh, liken it in the car industry to someone who would say, listen, I'm going to give you a deal on this car, but you know, you got to let me know today because I got other people interested in the car. So I like you. I'm going to make you a deal you just can't pass up, uh, but you leave today and the deal's off the table. Um, there, there is a version of that in our industry um, where, you know, some people have, and they'll never reveal it to you, but they have, say, for example, a sales target they're trying to hit. Uh-huh. It's the end of the month. It's the end of the year. They see dollar signs when you walk in the door. And they're pressuring you to make a decision before you are comfortable with it, before you understand what you're doing and can determine if it's in your best interest. If you ever feel that sort of pressure, you shouldn't do it. You should just walk away from that person. Are you saying to me that you don't have sales targets? I mean, I have sales targets of things that I want to hit. And, and you I mean think, goals? Oh, I have goals. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and I suppose I would go so far as to say I have sort of a minimum amount of business I need to do in order to pay the bills. I think everybody does. Yeah. But I'm being in the industry as long as I have, um, honestly, sales to me are... Um, they're gravy. They're bonuses. Um, I have designed my business that we don't need to sell anything to anyone to put food on the table. Now, that's an enviable position to be in. Yeah. We can meet our, our needs without selling to anyone. So any person sitting in front of me, I don't need to sell them a thing. They tell me what they want to do. I give them advice on how to achieve it. If you'd like to do that, let me know. If it's not the right time or I'm not the right person for you, we shake hands and we go our separate ways. That's that's a remarkable and, and noble approach that you have. I mean, if if you haven't experienced this before, folks, it's, it's something that you'd really need to try. Uh, whenever you have, and, and this is something that we do at the dealership, whenever you have no commission salespeople and then you have a group of folks that are only interested in you making the right decision. Mm-hmm. That they don't get paid on anything other than just you being happy about doing business with us, and uh, and we are perfectly okay with you saying no. You don't, you know, you, you don't have what we need. Yep. And then you can simply just walk away from that. There is a tremendous amount of power that comes along with being truthful and honest in the exchange, especially if it's a no pressure system. You know, one thing that you wrote here that made me chuckle because in the car industry it's the same thing. Yeah. Uh, when they ignore your spouse. <laughs> That's, you know, I, I guess when I say that, it, it it comes intuitively to the person sitting on the other side of the table. So to some extent, I'm speaking to the financial professionals in the world when I say that. Because as a, as a customer, if I walk into an environment and someone ignores my spouse, I don't do business with them. Uh, and it's natural in any relationship, um, you know, having myself been married 17 years now that long uh that long yeah yeah that's my wife says that every morning somebody put up with you for that long i know nobody puts up with me for that long oh no (laughs) but when you do every relationship 
sort of naturally gravitates toward a division of labor. Mm -hmm. We each have our own strengths and weaknesses. So, hey, you're better at this than I am. So you take the lead in this area. Uh, And finances is probably chief among them. It's very rare to find couples who have an an equal amount of interest in financial decisions, but they will always carry an equal amount of decision making. Mm -hmm. So even though I'm, I'm delegating you to take the lead on this because this is more your area of interest or your area of expertise, I still maintain veto power because I'm an equal partner in this decision-making process. So if you ignore the person who seems to have less interest in it, uh, you, you should, you're, you're sealing your fate. Error. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's a big mistake. Uh, in, in our industry, um, the, the spouse, yeah. not the person talking, uh, has, you know, the status crazy is like 80%. Uh, of the people that are not doing the talking have all the decision-making power in our industry. Right. So if, if you're talking to somebody and there is, you know, their husband or wife sitting right beside them, they have literally the power to say, you know what? Ah, I don't like this. I don't like this person. I don't like this car. I don't like this payment. I don't like what's happened today. And it, you need to make sure that you expand, you know, your, your explanations, your, your attention to every, your entire audience. I mean, yeah. you, you can't ignore people. The next thing that you talked about here and before the break is that, People, um, you know, for those of you that are just joining the show, Money Mike here is the person that manages my finances. His his direct line is 905-320-6762 or moneymike.ca. So he's teaching us how to discover when you're not dealing with the right financial advisor. The number four here says they don't discuss with you fees uh, upfront and the components of their compensation. Yeah. Uh, Is that a common thing that they, you know, people would conceal the way they get paid on, on what they're selling you? Well, there may have been an element in the past of don't ask, don't tell. Mm-hmm. Um, and the industry has worked very hard to become a lot more transparent about the fees involved and how people are paid. And anyone worth their salt, anyone who's a, a good quality advisor will explain all of that up front. Right up front. Absolutely. Here is what it costs to invest with me. Here's what I charge for my services if someone charges for their services. Um, it, you should know exactly what it costs to get involved so that you can vote with your feet. Am and, I willing to pay that price? And you can make that decision. Folks, let's take a very, very small break here on the Carrasco Show. Money Mike is in the house. Uh, you can call the show and ask whatever questions you may have in relation to financial advisors or money management. You can call us at 416-870-1050 uh, on tsn.ca. You can stream it live. Talk to us. Let's take a small break. Listening to this show is like watching a French bulldog eating lunch off a Brillo pad. I don't know what it means. This is Mike Robitaille, and you're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. Cosa de familia no la tiene que escuchar. Lo que poco, lo que poco, y yo soy la mamá. Los secretos solo con quien pueda confiar. Más te vale no romper la muerta. Hay niveles para todo en esta vía. No jodemos con personas desconocidas. Ni un amigo nuevo, ni una haría. Ni un amigo nuevo, ni una haría. Whenever I hear this stuff, I always just, I have an out of body experience and I find myself on a beach somewhere in the Dominican Republic or maybe Cuba, sipping back on a margarita 
or a banana mama, as they call them over Bahama there. Mama. Bahama mamas, you know. <laughs> they always try to tell you that it will have some aphrodisiac effects on you. It's not true. It doesn't work. It never has. I guess it's an age thing, Mike. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. You're cold and dead inside, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> not that bad. So, <laughs> Money Mike is in the house, and he's teaching us uh, ways to, you know, to kind of, um, you know, seep through the the idea of you not dealing with the right financial advisor. Um, if you have any questions in relation to finances and financial advisors, and or if you if you know of a term or if something has said someone to, someone has said something to you that that you need some clarification, call us four one six eight seven zero ten fifty is the number. And if you're calling from out of town, it's one eight five five. Five nine one six eight seven six. Just to summarize what we talked about in the previous segment, you talked about uh, talking down to you or using technical speak for you, you know, to, to take some sort of intellectual superiority and you know on top of your customers. Number two was to put their interest before you or trying to rush you into making a financial decision just to hire this financial advisor. Mm-hmm. The third one is is the one that made me chuckle because the car industry is the exact same thing. They ignore your spouse. You know, they're they're talking to you about finances. They're talking to you about quite possibly the single most important thing you can be talking about you know your future your finances your retirement and they completely ignore your spouse and uh, number four was they don't discuss their fees and their compensation right up front um i want you to elaborate a little bit more on that because i understand that commissions in the in the financial advisor world is they're going the way of the dodo yeah um how how deep into that development do you think the financial industry is right now they're they're pretty close. I imagine another two to three years, it, it will likely be gone altogether. Um, right now, I'll speak about uh, my own company um, in the IG Private Wealth, uh, the Private Wealth Division that I work in. Uh, commissions literally this year are less than 25% of what they were even three years ago. Really? Um, and they get almost cut in half next year. So, I mean, it's it, it's virtually gone there is there's no transaction anymore that i look at it and go ooh commission it's it's not anything impressive the way it was back in the uh, in the 90s the 2000s uh before 2016 uh so it's it's virtually gone now most advisors are are either um they're they're paid based on assets so really? they're, more, they, they're an asset based fee uh, that is charged to work with a client. So uh, I, I like the fact that the commission side is gone. It also means that the the consumer has a lot more choice available and they get to vote with their feet more quickly. They're no longer tied to staying with an advisor. There's no longer a cost to go somewhere else. So there's a lot more freedom of movement. So when you ask that question, what is your commission percentage? Is that a reasonable question? It absolutely is. Absolutely. So what is. is reasonable or unreasonable? Because right now I am stepping into uncharted territories. Okay. I don't know what a reasonable commission is uh, for a financial advisor. I don't well, know reasonable that. is going to be determined by the consumer. I mean, that's that's a great thing. Someone needs to be willing to explain to you what the cost to use their services are, and you get to determine whether or not you think that's reasonable. There, There is still a little bit of variation in the industry. Uh, there are still some products out there that will pay the advisor a high commission rate. 
Um, so you have to be you have to be aware that that exists, and and I can't help but think that that creates a conflict of interest. What Thank- sort of products are those? Uh, there's still some insurance industry investment products mm-hmm. that still pay high commission rates. Um, so some of those, uh, lifetime income benefit and, and gift products still pay very high commissions. Uh, I, I can't speak, uh, to the great breadth of, of what's available out okay. there that, that still pay that. I just know that at my company, um, they've removed that conflict from me that I get paid no matter what type of product you decide to buy. I get paid the same. So if I'm recommending something to someone, there is no actual, you know, financial advantage to you by recommending one thing or the other. It's, it's whatever is in the client's best interest, mm-hmm. um, no skin off my nose. I it, I'm I'm going to be compensated the same. You know, fascinating. Number five, do the the financial advisor that you're dealing with uh, does not spend enough time to determine your needs and your goals. Like, how much time is enough time? Well, the process that I take my clients through, typically, you're looking at three or four appointments mm-hmm. before I ever make recommendations uh, and talk to people about what's available to help fill those needs. Um, back in the day, uh, you know, when I first started in 1996, um, we would do two, three hour appointments, but the goal was get it done in one, Really, sit down with someone. And before you leave that evening, make them a client, sell them a product. That's not the case anymore. Oh, heavens no, heavens no. And, and again, because I'm in the enviable position that, that my bills are paid, whether you decide to invest with me or not, uh, I, what I'm looking for is I'm looking for a lifetime relationship with a client. So I want, it's like dating. Yeah. I want us to take our time and make sure there's a fit between what I do for you and what you're looking for an advisor. I don't want to rush anyone in. I can still remember the very first time I, I did this, and this is going back probably 2002 even, mm-hmm. when somebody sat across the table to me and said, you know, what if I were to give you a check for $200,000? What would you do with it? And at the time, I was a 28-year-old kid. Um, and I said, I'd probably push the check back across the table to you. Because I don't know anything about you. I don't mm-hmm. know what I would recommend for you. I don't know what this money needs to do for you. If we're talking about investments, I don't know where you're invested. If I'm duplicating what you already have, Mm -hmm. if I'm creating a conflict with something you're already doing or your wrist, I I know nothing about you. So you give me a check, I'm going to give it back to you. And that's scared the heck out of me to make that comment, but it it felt like the right thing to do. You know, it's, uh, and I can totally relate because, um, you know, if you bring this back to the car industry where, you know, I live, um, sometimes we don't have what the customer needs. And and, right. and there is a tremendous amount of maturity and respect for the customer for you to be able to say to somebody, I don't have what you seek and your answers are not here. And it's something that, we, that we've tried to do by removing commissions. So, you know, we are prepared to invest the time with the consumer uh, without any risk to the salesperson not being paid. Right. Uh, and and that's, that's a big thing. Now, number six here is that you know, often you find that you, you get yourself an advisor, somebody takes your money, or they're using your money, or they invest your money, whatever they call it, and that then you don't hear from them again. Uh, how, how much contact is adequate contact? Now, I know that you and I stay in contact far more often than most people. Why? We work together, you, I invest my money with you, but what is adequate? What is 
What is needed? So everybody's case is going to be individual. So what I've always chosen to do when I take on somebody new or, or even, for, even for existing clients, we have a process whereby we do what's called a, an annual strategy review. Mm-hmm. And I insist that all of my clients get together with me face-to-face, maybe not so much in this environment, but face-to-face when, we, when we're back to normal, uh, at least once a year. And we're going to do a full review of their entire financial situation. And at that annual review, we are going to identify the other touch points that are going to be needed in that next 12 months. Mm -hmm. So everybody's situation is different. And sometimes, you know, clients will say, really, do we have to see you? There's really nothing going on. I say, yes, it's been a year, so you need to see me. We have to, I have to make sure that there's nothing going on that we need to address. But there will be times when there are going to be a number of financial events occurring that we need to either speak on the phone, send an email, get together face-to-face. There's something going on we need to address, and we identify those touch points in the coming year. I know that uh, it, with personal experience, we need to meet. We need to meet. I get the I get the video <laughs> uh, conference call. We need to sit down and chat. Yeah. Uh, I can't hide from Mike, folks. And it's it's very important that you have your financial advisor chasing you to you know to reassess your situation. I mean, everybody's situation changes. Number seven here says that they don't you know they they take your money for investment, but they don't offer you a financial plan. I thought that offering somebody a fun you see you set the bar so high now that I, now I expect that from yeah. from somebody offering financial services to anybody um, how can they not offer you a financial plan well there are some people that uh, are just intending to be investment advisors um, who will only represent themselves as an investment advisor and who absolutely provide no service in the area of um, planning um, so in other words, I sell these investment products. I'm going to make you lots of money. Come with me. Give me your money to invest. And, and that's what I'm going to do with you. That's my job. And that is that, that type of advisor is going to find themselves out of the industry mm-hmm. um, because the investment side of the world has become very commoditized, much like you know when you've spoken about the, the car industry. Um, for the most part, everybody makes a good car. So uh, we're all dealing in the same investment world. Um, you know, we're all investing in the Toronto Stock Exchange mm-hmm. or the, you know, the S&P 500 in the U.S., et cetera, et cetera. And so the, the difference between the different investment companies have homogenized. Uh, so what else are you doing for your client? And I can have a greater impact Knowing that the investment world is homogenized, I can have a greater impact on you in providing financial planning services, which is why I represent myself as a financial planner. Uh, So that's sort of a warning sign if someone calls themselves a financial planner Mm -hmm. who carries the uh, credentials and holds that out in front of what, you to say and, you so. know, Touching on this uh, point quickly before the break, yeah. they have no professional designations. What are the adequate or the required professional designations that you need to have in order for you to have a, a credible uh, academic, financial academic in front of you? Well, if you're going to call yourself a financial planner, you, now, you have to have your CFP designation, Certified mm-hmm. Financial Planner. And there's a number of other supporting designations that exist in the industry. You can have your... Um, your registered retirement consultant designation. There's trust in a state practitioner. That there's uh, financial analyst um, designations mm-hmm. that would again support 
and and be complementary to that. But at the end of the day, if you're going to call yourself a financial planner, you need to have your CFP. You have to have them. Folks, let's take a small break here. Money Mike is in the house. If you have any questions about your financial planning and essentially just investing your money, just call the show 416-870-1050. This is going to be a very, very small break and you're listening to The Carrasco Show. Stay tuned. Darcy Tucker here, and if you're hearing the sound of my voice, it's too late to escape. You're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. Hey, what's up, sports fans? Forrest Griffin here, and I want you to check out The Greg Carrasco Show only on TSN 1050 Toronto. Check check them out. Greg and the gang. Uh, yeah, enjoy. This is the Carrasco Show, folks. If you have any questions, call us at 416-870-1050 or you can reach me on social media at Greg Carrasco or you can use the hashtag Slacker Nation. You know, at one point in the next hour, uh, Ken, we're going to explain what Slacker Nation is. Um, you know, the, the name, you know, I always have trouble with this word. You got to remember I speak Spanish, right? It's irony, irony. There you go. It came out. I think I think that uh, we can talk about that on the other side of the break. Why is it that um, I call my audience Slacker Nation? Uh, it was not my idea, believe it or not, but uh, we'll, we'll explain that on the other side. Um, with me in the show is um, Money Mike Esquire. He is the person <laughs> that manages my finances. And uh, if you are, uh, if, if this resonates with you at all in any way, shape or form, he's a the person that manages my finances. His direct line is 905-320-6762, where you can send him an email at moneymike.ca. And uh, we've spent you know, the, the, the bigger part of the last hour talking to you about how to know whether you're dealing with the right advisor or not. And uh, you know, two of the last points that we have here um, is uh, you know, when, when a financial advisor guarantees you or speaks about high rates of return, uh, that always makes me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> And and we have laws that prevent people from doing that in print. But what they say to people face to face is is uh, harder to govern. Um, but yeah, anytime someone is trying to impress you with high rates of return, who look at historical returns and and say, "Wow, look how great they've been. They're they're going to stay that way." forever look how much money you can make with me uh, that that sort of sales tactic is never supportable um, and so you again someone starts saying I, I actually I got contacted once from yeah. a from a, someone who listened to the show who I think was trying to entice me to come work with them how what are your rates of return like Mike and <laughs> and it's like well they're not my rates of return I don't own the markets but I can tell you what's been going on in the markets oh we're getting 10% a month on our investments. Oh, wow. um, you should look for the nearest exit. If one doesn't exist, make one. Uh, get as far just, away from those people as possible. Just, just get out. <clears throat> yeah. And the last one here is that don't practice what they preach. You know, they don't follow their own investment advice. If you yeah. can quickly summarize that for me. Yeah, I mean, essentially, whatever I'm recommending to my clients, I have my own money invested in. I have my parents' money invested in. And if if someone is not willing to to prove to you that they're investing that they, that they're putting their money where their mouth is that they invest their money the the same way they're recommending to you, they're selling you something. And 
I, I, I back up everything that I say. And, you know, and I can speak with, uh, you know, from my own personal experience, I mean, when the market collapsed, um, I was afraid of calling Mike and saying, where are we at? And then when I finally called him, he, uh, he gave me probably the best set of news that I, that I had heard, mm-hmm. um, you know, since the whole world fell apart, you know, at the beginning of COVID, that we were outperforming the market. And now we're right back up to where we need to be. Yep. Um, you know, the markets have recovered, um, you know, buying things when the market was low is, uh, is something that we discuss here that in the financial world this is the only industry in which when the prices go down to buy the stock everybody runs away and when the prices go up and things get more expensive people are just throwing money at you which doesn't make a lot of sense but uh, nope. uh it, it's something that i never really understood um what i wanted to uh, talk to you for the next few minutes folks is this the um this show is uh, is an educational show you might think oh i'm not going to take any educational advice from carrasco well you can say that or you know maybe we can start from the position that anybody that you talk to or anyone that you meet can enrich or uh, benefit your life at least from one thing and when that thing happens i i think that we need to embrace it uh, when I bring Money Mike on the show here, uh, the goal is to save you some time, to save you some headaches, to give you some direction as to what to do when it comes to your money. And many of you might say, oh, you know, I'm okay, which is great. Good for you. But there are some of us, especially especially guys in their you know, 40s and 50s, that uh, you know, we have a really tough time leaning on people. We have a tough time saying, I don't know. And, and, and that's something that, uh, that, that we need to change as, as a species. We, know, we, we need to become more introspective and, 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 and ask, for, ask questions. Say, I don't know. Say, I need help. And it, it's something that doesn't come very often. So um, I'm going to tell you some of the things that we're going to be doing in the next few shows. Um, the next show that Money Mike is going to be here, he's going to talk about what to do when you were approaching retirement and how to build a plan, right? Yeah. Um, that, that's a pretty big deal because um, a lot of people want to stop working at some point. And uh, if you don't have a plan, it's something that, that needs to be addressed. And that's going to be the topic of the next show when you're here, right? Yes. yes. Um, you know, would you say that that's probably one of the biggest areas of expertise that you have? It's one of the most important. I mean, uh, I am a, a retirement professional. Uh, I've got a lot of experience. I have retired dozens of times over my career alongside <laughs> my clients. Um, and so I have seen the right way and the wrong way to do it, the pitfalls to avoid. And, and those were probably some of the most common calls that we got. Uh, over the show in the last six months yeah. is people saying, I'm coming up on retirement. I don't, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't want to do it wrong. That's a terrifying position to be in. But, you know, in, in subsequent shows after that, we're going to be talking to you about, you know, your mid-career. You know, what should you be, what should your priorities be? Uh, you know, paying down mortgages, debt, saving uh, for education and retirement. Then after that, we're going to talk about early career and how to start building wealth. Uh, it's something that a lot of our young people are not paying a lot of attention on. You know, we, uh, we're concentrated on spending money on clothes and trips and dates and dinners and all sorts of different things. But how about building wealth to put yourself in a position in which you're going to be okay when you are not as energetic and as driven as you are right now and after that we will talk about managing your investing behavior Um, you know how to you know be you know beware of the markets and when the market goes up and down what to do how to react to it and and, and, and behavioral planning is something that you um, that that you concentrate on Mike but today you've taught us a lot of things and uh, if you had 
a couple of minutes to summarize some of the biggest takeaways in relation to whether the listener is dealing with the right financial advisor or not, whether the listener should pick up the phone and make that phone call and, and, and do a transition or a change. What do you think that the biggest takeaways from today's show are in relation to financial advisors? Well, I, th I think overall, you're, you're going to know in your gut if you have been doing the right things and if you're getting value out of the relationship that you have, there should not be questions in your mind uh, because those questions should always be answered by your advisor. And if you're still left with questions, maybe the biggest question is, am I dealing with the right person? And in this environment, going through a pandemic, having the world shut down, there's a lot of uncertainty out, out there and there should be peace of mind on, on being able to speak with a financial professional to help guide you through this. And, and this is the time, believe it or not, there are advisors out there that have just disappeared, that their people aren't hearing from them. They can't get access from them. They can't get a call return. If you have that type of relationship in a time when advice is needed the most, this is when you should be hearing from your advisor. So this is the time. And if you're not, you got to make some decisions. This is the time when you need to take an introspective look at your finance, at your financial life, if you will, and look at your retirement, look at your plans, look at the relationship that you have with your financial institution. I know that I'm going that with my bank. I've been dealing with a bank for 11 years or so, and they've let me down in ways that I never knew they were going to let me down. And uh, I, I think that decisions need to be made. And you have to remember, folks, that when, when times are tough is when you need to remember who is there. You know, who stepped up, who gave you direction, who gave you that compass for you to go uh, when you never, when, when you didn't think that there was any direction or, or the direction wasn't clear. And therein's where, where the professionals come into place. Would you agree with that? That's the, the sole purpose of their being, provide guidance. Yeah. Well, I, I can tell you that for a long time, I haven't had that issue. And uh, if you like what you hear from Mike, call him 905-320-6762, or you can reach, reach him at moneymike.ca. Mike, amazing to have you again and look forward to have you again in the next show. Uh, folks, let's take a small break. You can call us at 416-870-1050. This is the Carrasco Show. Let's take a small break. Hi, everybody. This is Haley Wickenheiser, and you're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. Man, is it that time already? Kick it! Whoa, it's the Greg Carrasco Show. Get this party on the road. How fast can this light go? Whoa, yeah. Celebrity guest from the East Coast to the West. Who knows who he has next? At Greg Carrasco, trending Twitter like a bomb. Tens of thousands on his lawn. He's even followed by your mom. What? Broadcasting live. Here is your warning. The topics are flowing every Saturday morning. Car talk like Sherlock. The guy knows wheels like a Dow stock. Movie talk on a boardwalk. Shoot facts like a tomahawk. So entertaining. Turn up the station. There's no more waiting. This show is beginning. It's too late to escape. Let's go. Here's your host, Greg. show is flying today again. It always brings a great deal of comfort and peace whenever Mike's in the house. You know, he's, um, he's, uh, he's an interesting cat. We've, we've known each other for almost 20 years now, and um, 
Um, like I, I mentioned last show, uh, I kept him on the divorce. So it was one of the best things that I kept. Uh, the uh, managing money is something that is so complex sometimes. And uh, um, shedding some light into this is something that I've always appreciated because especially uh, coming from a third world country and uh, also in, in a Canadian school system that I never really used, uh, I, I understand the deficiencies. It's like the system... It, trains you to fail when it comes to your finances. It thrives on bad financial decisions. Um, you know, do, do you see that, Ken? You know, there are there's no basic financial education for Canadians. No, and it's very peculiar because it's one of those skill sets that's most translatable into your real life. Like, I don't need to know what Y equals MX plus B does or any of those logarithms or any of those basic or I guess uh, more advanced algebra equations do. But what would be much more useful is advice on how to manage your finances or how to do your proper ta- your taxes properly, that sort of information. And I think at this point now, they are starting to integrate that. But it's certainly some subjects that I wish were a little bit more ingrained into the school education system when I was a little bit younger. Yeah, I don't think that we spend. I think that um, you know the education system is dumbing us down. They want to they want to keep us dumb in relation to financial independence. I mean, uh, people that make it, they they know different things. They they have different behavior. Uh, and I've said this many times before because it always resonates with me. I I will never forget this meme when you saw um, Bill Gates and Warren Buffett at a at a basketball game, and he says. I don't know, $400 billion or so, and uh, not a single Gucci belt to be seen. And we seem to spend our way into into a lower financial status, which is always fascinating to me. But we have somebody on the line. Uh, we have Greg on the line from Toronto. Greg, good morning. How are you, my friend? I am very well, thank you. Hope things are going well. I, yeah, well, it's a it, 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 new station, new network. Um, the format is is a little bit different. Uh, I mean, the uh, the the lack of commercial breaks is certainly welcome, and we can actually talk today. Um, how can I help? Well, I just wanted to give you a call because I knew you'd been off the air for quite some time, and and I'm glad you're back. And I just wanted to wish you well. Is this Triple G? Yes. <laughs> I, he almost didn't recognize your your voice, man. You know, thank you so much for calling. Shouldn't you be golfing this morning, Greg? <laughs> oh, I had to go downtown to the Manulife Center for an appointment this morning, so no, I couldn't golf today. <laughs> oh, that's that's very unfortunate. I'm not a golfer, so I I, I couldn't tell you. You know, I, I if I had five hours to spare to spare, I, I I can guarantee you that it wouldn't be at a golf at a golf course. But uh, uh, you know, it it makes me happy that you're calling, Greg. Greg has been. Um, a fan of the show for a very long time, Ken. In fact, um, you know, he used to listen to the show, and uh, one time he came and bought a vehicle from me, and then uh, I sold him the car under the condition that every time he came in for service that we were going to either have a coffee or have lunch, and then we, we just became friends. Uh, how many years is, of, of that has been, Greg? Well, I, I bought that vehicle in 2014 in the summer, and uh, like every oil change since then, 
we've had yeah. lunch. <laughs> yeah, and then you know a, a little, a very little known fact that uh, you know Greg, uh, he is my date when he comes to my uh, my uh, theater life. Uh, we have um, we bought a membership uh, at the uh, Mervish uh, Theater Productions, and uh, we uh, once a month we get together, we go to the theater together, and uh, I it's one of the most enjoyable things about my life, just going to the theater. And you are certainly somebody that has been driving that, and I enjoy that. It's too bad that they cancel the entire seasons now. Do you know when they're going to open up again, Greg? No, I've heard nothing. I mean, I I, I would think that they plan for the for the new year, but I, I guess as long as this COVID thing goes on, they they just can't do it. You know, no, I think Ford is right in keeping large groups of people away from each other. You know, the the leadership of the province has done a tremendous job, Greg. Uh, you know, we had uh, Premier Doug Ford last week on the show, and uh, uh, it's it's very difficult to ignore the the type of leadership that he has pushed forward now you know whether you you know support his policies or not it's not in question here i, I was i'm merely just talking about the leadership that he's shown in one of the most difficult times that the province has ever seen do you see it from your side as well greg well i do i i, I actually do i i think the only person that tops him in leadership is bonnie henry from bc you know that health minister from there yeah, I don't. I don't know anything about BC. Uh, I try to limit my scope of exposure to not drain my emotional, re- <laughs> you know, reserves, man. <laughs> you know, we, we have enough issues here in Ontario. I want to keep it within the house. So, no, I, I don't know anything about this person in BC. But uh, um, uh, you know, once again, Greg, I, I wanted to say thank you for uh, for calling, and um, I, I really hope you're holding up well. Well, it's my pleasure, and uh, maybe we'll get together soon for lunch when the restaurant's open. Uh, you know, the patios are open, and, uh, you know, just make sure that you lather up in some uh, uh, sunscreen. It's just pretty hot outside these days. But, you know, uh, I love you, man, and uh, thank you so much for calling, Greg. Good to talk. Bye-bye. Bye. You know, it's amazing how customers or listeners become friends. Uh, and uh, when when it comes to people that have chosen to uh, to do business with the idea, you see, I don't um, – I stopped selling cars a long, long time ago. Um, I sort I, I stopped selling cars the moment that I realized that just about every car manufacturer, with the exception of two, uh, they make some pretty good cars. <laughs> Why are you laughing, Ken? Well, I'm just wondering who the <laughs> exception of two is. I mean, I at this point, you, but... like a lot, a lot of the products are pretty good now that they're offering them. Uh, a lot. I I just uh, I just had. Um, you know, at one point I deviated from uh, imports and I decided, oh, actually, you see, all cars are imported. And I don't care what anybody tells me. We know Canada doesn't have a Canadian car manufacturer. They do not. So every single car that is sold across the country is an import. But um, I deviated into an American import and um, it was the worst experience of my life. Uh and when I tell you that it was the worst experience of my life, I'm talking to you like the worst experience of my life. Yikes. <laughs> I, um, I look forward to retiring with one of the big threes. And uh, I mean, the whole the, the prospect was pretty romantic. I really wanted to do it. Uh, when you um, say the big threes, Greg, what do you mean? Uh, Ford, GM and Chrysler. Um, you know, I wanted to retire with one of those guys because I thought, you know, I've, I've been working with uh, with Asian and South Asian uh, imports for, you know, the better part of my career, what, 26 years or so. Um, but um, I never knew how spoiled and sheltered I had been for 26 years. 
um, I never knew the the contradiction the um, I never knew how different the worlds were between the un the relentless pursuit of customer happiness by uh, Japanese and Korean imports. I had no idea how different the world was, Ken. Um, when when I started to work for one of the big threes uh, and I found out what they were doing, I thought, what? I thought the stuff was illegal 30 years ago. And I honestly, I wasn't crooked enough to stay. <laughs> Isn't it funny how it works that way, though? You know, it's like you get so accustomed to a certain way of doing something and then the perception is that the grass will be greener on the other side. And you have this sort of romanticized idea about the way that things could be. And for you, it was going on to retire with one of those companies. But then it ends up being completely opposite of what you're used to and what you were expecting. Dude, I, I, I remember, you know, I resigned um, a, a senior vice president position uh, from a large car group here in southern Ontario who... To this day, if anybody asks me, I'm not going to shy away from the, you know, the, the thought that I, it, it was a mistake. I should have never left them. Um, but I mean, that's the whole, you know, point of life. You know, you you make decisions, you suffer the consequences, and you move on. I mean, there is nothing that you know. The the answer to pain is in the pain, isn't that what uh, Carl Jung said? So you know, I made a decision. Uh, I, I, it was a romantic decision, to be perfectly honest with you, um, because I, I came from a very, very humble, you know, household, and uh, there wasn't a lot of money growing up in Chile. I have never really used money to drive my professional decisions, and uh, to this day, now I know that it was the right decision. So, for the first time in my career, somebody threw a, a crazy number at me, you know, some crazy ideas, and I thought, okay. I need to try this. And I remember sending the offer to my lawyer at the time, Ken, and my lawyer said, what's the worst that can happen? <laughs> famous words. The famous, famous last famous words. Famous last words. So I landed at this place, and I can tell you that within two hours, I, I was horrified and terrified at the prospect of staying there. Uh, but, I mean... You do what you need to do. You 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 go with your best foot forward, and uh, I have always had a pretty healthy disregard for the impossible. And if I have to bet on someone, I will always bet on me, because I know I know my professional capacities. I know my intellectual capacities. I know that you know maybe somebody may have an edge on me, but they will never be able to outwork me. I'm a pretty hardworking person, and uh, so I I decided to just push forward. But um, no, 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 no. You, you know, as a single person, you cannot push against a culture. And then when I say a culture, I'm not talking about eth ethnic culture. I'm talking about a business culture. Uh, and um, that business, that, that awful business culture is so deeply ingrained in some places that you, there is no way. Because they don't know any different. I mean, there is no other point of reference. Uh, but, I mean, it, it was certainly a good experience. And I, I, don't, um, I don't know how... People to this day still think that that's okay. But uh, uh, what I can tell you, folks, is that, you know, coming from a pretty objective perspective, uh, I don't think that many people understand how spoiled uh, Japanese and Korean cars uh, make their customers. Uh, you know, to, just to give you an example, Ken, uh, when, when I was working with Nissan the first time and then, you know, working with Hyundai and Genesis, um, we used to have months 
on months and months of training on the delivery process. The delivery process is, you know, after you bought the car, after you've gone to the finances, the licensing is done, after everything is done, the delivery is what in the car industry we call when you come and pick up the car. You know, when people show up, so, you know, the first thing you do is, uh, you know, you come in, you sit down with your finance manager and you go all through the paperwork, which, which is very, very important that you sit down with that person. I know that they have a very bad rap. I don't know why, uh, because the people that work for me and that are in the business, uh, in the business department, they walk a pretty straight line. And um, so they sit down, they do the paperwork. And then after everything is said and done, the salesperson uh, or a delivery coordinator, or a delivery specialist, depending on the uh, or the customer experiences on dealerships, they reveal the car that you just bought. And at that point, you will spend one to two hours breaking down every single feature, every every benefit, every aspect of the car inside and outside, you know, to show you how your Bluetooth is connected, how to set up your XM radio, your regular radio, how to do everything that has to do with your cars. And I, and I can tell you, cars are pretty complex these days. So we would spend months and months and months training on this, how the delivery experience needed to be that one thing that said everything apart because at that point it was the last shot that you had at making the customer happy and you see in our industry can whenever somebody picks up a car and they go home uh, there is something that we call CSI the customer satisfaction index and uh, if you know, a day or two after the delivery of the vehicle, the customer's going to get a, you know, either a letter or they're going to get an email with a survey and they'll say, hey, uh, Mr. Brown, how did we do? Like, just tell us a little bit about how we did. And um, in many instances, at least in the, in, in the Japanese and Korean side of things, this actually means something. <laughs> so if you are not looking after the customer, and you 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 wreck your delivery process guess what you are literally in trouble with the manufacturer so you couldn't take a chance so when the customer came in uh, we would we would spend hours on this uh, going through the car looking that everything was clean that the you know the the gas tank was full that you had your two your two sets of keys to program your keys um then do a full-on walk around again in order for the customer to feel comfortable with this new car that they had bought uh, when i started working for this other company ken uh, somebody would buy a $130,000 car and the salesperson would say, here are the keys, bye. Wow. <laughs> Nothing. And uh, the customer would say, you're not going to show me anything? Ah, no, you'll figure it out. You'll be fine. So there wasn't, there wasn't even a CSI thing. There was no customer satisfaction index. In fact, they moved away from it. Uh, Probably because it, it, it wasn't uh, coming, the feedback wasn't coming back too good if that was the case. Nobody didn't matter. You know, that specific manufacturer does not care whether the customer is happy or not. And that, you know, they would drive Google reviews by paying people to come up with, uh, you know, better uh, Google reviews. That's, that's the reason why Google is so dangerous today, because it's nothing more than an echo chamber in which you will find whatever it is that you're looking for. So depending on your query that you put on, on, on Google, and you ask, is this car the best car on the planet? Is our Ladas the best car on the planet? And guess what? You know, Google is going to tell you that Ladas were the best cars on the planet because Google is designed to tell you and to give you the most relevant 
answer to that question, regardless whether it's right or wrong. And that's why you know, doing research on Google is something that you know we need to be very careful because Google, look, look at it from this perspective. Uh, when was the last time? When was the last time that you went on Google and raved about an awesome experience? I'm asking you, Ken. Honestly, I'm not a big review guy, and I tend to take the review guys or the reviews that are on Google or on Yelp or whatever medium you're looking at. I tend to take those with a grain of salt as well, just maybe a vague look at the overall rating. But I find exactly what you're saying to be the truth. The good reviews are probably not as good as they're portraying them to be, and the bad reviews are probably not as bad as they're portraying them to be. And there's going to be a definitely some fluctuation in the experience. It's just based off of maybe one individual having a bad day who walked into the business and then decided as soon as they got home, they were going to hop on the keyboard and just, you know, type out a nasty gram. And so I think in that a sense, nasty you, gram. Yeah, you ha- you, yeah, you have to be careful with it. You That's- know, it, it, it's, it's funny because uh, I, I posted something on, on, on Twitter yesterday and I asked which bank has the worst cybersecurity protocol to protect the customers from cyber fraud. And, uh, you know, the, the, there are polls that you can put on Twitter, right? and, and, and every one of the poll numbers, I put the same bank. <laughs> and, uh, the bank you know, that it will all, not it, be named. <laughs> a bank that will not be named on air, but it will be named on social media. That's a different thing. You know, it, the, the interesting thing is that after 11 years with this bank, the one time the bank had an opportunity to step up and do something for me, they didn't. And that was the one time that I decided to take this to social media, which is terrifying because I, you know, that puts me in the same position as everybody else that listens to the show. You know, folks, if you're listening to the show right now, this is the Carrasco Show. And I, although we talk about anything, this hour has always been your hour. The last hour of the Carrasco Show, if you have any questions, suggestions, concerns, issues, beefs, grievances, if you have a complaint about anything, about traffic, about, you know, the grocery store, you name it, you need to call 416-870-1050. And I will address your issue. I might not agree with you, but I will address your issue. And if you have ever had a car buying horror story, I want to know. You know, you, you, you're driving around, you're listening to the Grasco Show right now, and you went to a car dealership and something not good happened. I want to hear from you. If you're calling from out of town, you can call the number 1-855-591-6876 or 416-870-1050 if you're in town. Now, also, remember that you can, you can stream live uh, the show from where? Where can people stream it live, Ken? You can stream the show live from tsn1050.ca or through the iHeartRadio app. And uh, if you're one of those uh, podcast people that uh, like to listen to me, I don't know why you would want to do that, but if you want to listen to me on your own time, you can download the podcast from a bunch of different places. Um, you know, we upload it now uh, on gregcarrasco.com, so you can have there. Also, on gregcarrasco.com, we have a page with recommended businesses uh, from the Greg Carrasco Show. And, um, you know, I, I take a lot of pride in, in recommending businesses and dealerships that I have done business with. Um, because I, I need you to be protected. I need you to feel safe when you are, uh, when you're purchasing a vehicle, or, or I'm recommending something to you on air, just like I've done with Money Mike, and uh, is somebody that I do business with personally, and uh, I, I have no hesitations on recommending Money Mike to manage your finances. Uh, but there is a bunch of things that I wanted to share with you this week, and uh, I, I don't know if you know this, but. Uh, 
in Burlington, uh, the city of Burlington, uh, Ontario, has uh, decided to open up jujitsu schools. And uh, I cannot tell you how beside myself I am at the idea of going back to my jujitsu club. Um, it is um, after I sold, I, I know some of you will laugh, but uh, I, after I sold my CrossFit gym to my, to my friend, Dennis Dorishan, Full Metal CrossFit, I, I decided to go back to my roots. And um, uh, I've always been in, in martial arts growing up in Chile. I, um, you know, I, I did karate for a long time. This is, this is in the 70s and 80s, so don't hold it against me. The UFC certainly changed everything in the early 90s. But uh, um, I've been doing you know, some pretty aggressive uh, jiu-jitsu classes. I mean, to the point that I was putting, what, 15 hours a week um, at, um, at my local studio. And uh, when you when you decide to, to pick an outlet for your aggressions and frustrations and that outlet is taken away by something that you had nothing to do with, um, you understand the vacuum of physical activity. You understand how important it is to do something so, so difficult. And if you've never tried jiu-jitsu, um, I, I can tell you that I don't think that you could do very many things that will activate the animal side of you. Have you ever done jujitsu, Ken? I haven't uh, done the jujitsu. I have had a couple of close friends that have been into jujitsu, and I'll tell you, I've done some training with them on the side. You know, whether it's wind sprints, whether it's uh, mixed workouts at the gym. And boy, oh boy, like these guys train like maniacs. I was completely just thrashed by the end of these workouts that these guys do. They're, they're complete lunatics. Uh, lunatics is one way to describe it. But, uh, you know, if, if you're anyone, a male or female, that you live in, in southern Ontario, especially in the Oakville, Burlington, Hamilton area, uh, I belong to a school. Uh, my professor is uh, is got a direct lineage to the Gracie family. Uh, he got his black belt from uh, Gordo, uh, who is you know for for the uh, for the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu community is the guy that arguably invented the half guard, and uh, Gordo got his black belt from the Gracie family. Uh, and uh, um, the lineage is, is pure. The the art is strong. And uh, when I got introduced to uh, to my professor Marcio Nunes, um, I never I had never done this before. Um, and uh, I decided to do it. Now we have a phone call uh, there, Ken. We do. Uh, we have John calling in from Guelph, and John has a question about the surveys or a comment of the surveys that dealerships give you after you're done buying the car. Oh yeah. Hey John, John how are you? I'm well, Greg, and yourself. Very well, thank you. Thank you for calling. No problem. Um, Mike, I don't know if it's a question or a comment, but I always get the, the surveys after my service, both from the dealer and from the manufacturer. Yeah. And, and they always hope you'll give them a 9 or a 10 or whatever. My question is, I guess, I expect them to do like their job. So if they do it well, that's kind of a, what I expect, a 5 or a 6. Now, if they do something above and beyond my job, like their job, it's like, okay, that's a 9 or a 10. But if I just put I'm satisfied, which is kind of the middle ground, I get phone calls from people saying, what was wrong with the service? I say nothing. Like, they did a great, they did a fine job. That's what I expect them to do. They did it. I paid them. We're all happy. So I'm, I'm curious how the manufacturers, what's their expectation? Should everything, if I'm happy, and I am, should everything be a 10? 
or a six because if it's always a ten, it can never be better. I this is what I can tell you. You are welcome to my nightmare, <laughs> John, because uh, unfortunately, um, is a one is a fail and uh, a ten is a pass, and anything in between is simply not acceptable. So the manufacturer will always expect for you, for you to be completely and absolutely satisfied with the service, and otherwise we start getting the phone calls. That's why it's it's, it's so important, and I completely understand what you're saying because uh, you know if you give somebody a ten, you're telling me that there is no room for improvement. And uh, I, I, I fundamentally disagree with this. We can always do a better job. Unfortunately, whenever you need to put a, a standard or a benchmark or a, or a baseline in, in the metrics, they need to measure everybody under the same terms. And uh, uh, most car manufacturers have decided that anything less than a perfect is a complete fail. Um, so I can understand why dealers, uh, you know, called you and asked you what is it that we did wrong, because everybody's got a different benchmark uh, on when, you know, especially school teachers. And, you know, it's, it's a running joke in, in an industry, John, um, because, you know, with, with school teachers, you know, they grade things. And that if it's not absolutely perfect, and even if it is, when it is perfect, there is an A, A plus is something completely different. But I right. completely understand your frustration and uh, uh, we share it with you. But saying that, uh, this is all coming from a place of we want to look after our customers and we don't want to leave any stone stone unturned when it comes to your satisfaction. You know what I mean? Right, right. Like I had a major service. They gave me a discount because the bill was so large. I've been going to the same shop since 95. Yeah. And, and that gets a 10 because I was very pleased to have a, a discount on a $2,000 service. But... The, you know, with the regular oil change, yeah. filter oil, I, they do a great job. It's what they're supposed to do. Well, so you know, it's frustrating. And, uh, you know, it, it is, and it is also frustrating for us, and I completely understand your concern, and thank you so much for the phone call, John. I really appreciate it. Uh, if you have any other comments like that, I mean, that's that's the sort of phone calls that we welcome here on the show. So you feel free to call us, 416-870-1050. We need to take a very, very small break right now, and uh, we're going to come back with more comments and questions. And uh, remember, this hour is for you. It's only you and just for you, and you can talk to us about whatever you want. This is the Carrasco Show, and we are going to take a very, very small break right now hey hey what's up toronto when the boogeyman goes to sleep he checks under his bed for me ken shamrock here and you're listening to the greg carrasco show tsn 1050 hello toronto what's up everybody this is randy couture and if i'm not beating people up i'm listening to the greg carrasco show give it a listen take care And we are back. This is uh, this is the Carrasco Show, folks. We are now on TSN. We must have done something right to land us here. You know, who would have thought Carrasco Show is on TSN right now? This is a pretty big network that, uh, that took some interest in what we do. And, um, you know, you're going to have to get used to us. We're going to be here for a long, long, long time, folks. I, uh, I, I really enjoy the long format of conversation of, of TSN. And um, remember, this show is for you. Uh, my area of uh, you know of expertise, uh, and and I will not call myself an expert. It's my area of expertise where I know the most, uh, because at the end of it all, I'm just a student of my industry. Is is the automotive industry? I'm not a mechanic, but 
I have been running car dealerships for the better part of the last, you know, 20 years or so. And I've been in the industry for, um, I don't know, 27 years. And, um, you know, the, the only moral compass that I have for you on this show is the following. Every single caller that calls the show that asks me a question, I will tell you exactly what I would tell my mom with all the knowledge that I have. The, whether the answer is good or bad, whether you like it or not, I don't care. But I will tell you what I would do if I were you, if I was advising my mom on the question that you are asking me. And that, that moral compass has kept us relevant for 13 years this show has been on air. At one point, six years ago, we became the number one automotive radio show in the country. That's a crazy, crazy achievement. And now it's here with you. You may not like my opinion sometimes, and that's the beauty about it. You can disagree with me all you want. If you disagree with me, just make sure that you have your arguments well rehearsed and call me, 416-870-1050, or if you're calling from out of town, it's 1-855-591-6876. Do we have a couple of phone calls there, uh, Ken? Uh, we do. Our, we'll get to our first caller right now. We have yeah. Joaquim calling from Cambridge, and he is also calling about the survey ratings based off of you know the experience after they're done with the dealership. Joaquim, you're on the air. Hi, hey, thank you. Hey, Joaquin, uh, how are you? Uh, pleasure talking to you. First, first time caller here. Oh, thank um, you. Thank you for calling. Thank you. Um, yeah, you, you, you asked for a comment on these uh, on these ratings after you pick up your car again. And uh, yeah. one of my one of my criticisms has always been that all the questions are related to. Uh, either the the agent or the mechanic who uh, with whom you dealt, but there's no, never a possibility to enter um, ratings on the dealership itself or the manufacturer of the product. I think that they most of the surveys, uh, you know, Joaquim, if if the radio is on, can you turn the volume down because I'm getting a crazy feedback. Um, most of the surveys these days, they they All want right. you to address the issue at hand, and they will give you a notes section at the bottom in which you can just literally unload whatever you want to say about the manufacturer, the dealership, or the experience. But the reality is this: that what they want is uh, they they want to. They want to measure. They want to, uh, you know, add the survey to a set of metrics that they use to gauge the uh, the dealership itself. And I think uh, it's important that to stay on point. Um, if you had an issue with the manufacturer, you have to remember that has nothing to do with the dealer. Um, dealers are just franchisees, and 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 unfortunately, they get uh, they get ranked on on how happy their customers are. So if you do have an issue with each particular manufacturer. The, your owner's manual will have a direct line that you can contact them and write notes to them. Um, you know what happened? What happened with you, uh, Joaquin? Well, I mean, I, I've had cases where um, uh, systems, like uh, particularly nowadays, you know, all the connectivity systems. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm referring here to, uh, for instance, to uh, uh, what is it? To a Subaru connectivity system, and yeah. this. I, I know there are issues with not only with that plant, but um, I've never found a place to really voice my concern. I mean, it's like going in one ear and coming out the other. Never, never any any reaction as to really. See, here is the thing. Here is the thing, Joaquim, That um, when it comes right down to it, the dealership doesn't have anything to do with that. 
the dealership will do whatever they can to try to address the problem, to fix it, to make you happy, to make you comfortable. But the manufacturer, we, we are the third party. We, are, we, we buy the vehicle from the, from the manufacturer, we send them to you, and uh, the dealership has nothing to do with the connectivity. Our job is to try to help you fix that. Uh, and often when you put that on your survey, it has nothing to do with the dealership's desire or ability to fix the problem. Because if there is a, if there is a common issue with something, it's, it's clearly from the manufacturer. Now, uh, Joaquin, thank you so much for the phone call. I really appreciate it. And unfortunately, I don't have a better answer for you. But what I can tell you is that, you know, call the manufacturer. Believe it or not, they will listen to you. And, you know, if you are unhappy with that manufacturer and with the response and the engagement that they've had with you, then you need to vote with your dollars. That's the beauty of living in, in a free market society. Uh, let's talk to Lou in Oakville, um, Ken, if we can. Lou, thank you so much for calling. Hey, Greg. Uh, Lou Skies is here. Just wanted <laughs> Hi, to Lou. say week two of this new format is great. I noticed that you would uh, place another full-page ad in the Toronto Star. I did. And the only criticism I might make, Greg, is that you didn't include Ken in the full-page ad. <laughs> you know, the... Uh... Believe it or not, um, it, all those ads were created way before I even knew that Ken existed. Don't let him fool you, Lou. It's the mustache. He didn't want the mustache in the Toronto Star. No, just the name mentioned. No photo. <laughs> you know, we uh, th those ads were created way before. And to be perfectly honest with you, um, this uh, this newfound relationship that I have with Ken is something yeah. that we dis we discovered probably the day before the first show came on board. Uh, I I found out that Ken had a degree in American history and in philosophy, and I thought, okay, he's speaking my language. I need to talk to this person more. And uh, yeah, absolutely. And Last weeks, week, when you mentioned his his interest in American history, it piqued my interest as well. And hopefully, <laughs> you'll both you know you'll share some of that you know as part of your regular uh, appearances here on uh, TSN ten fifty. Yeah, Ken is uh, Ken is going to be uh, with me. Uh for a while, uh, if, uh, if, if, if Ken understands what I'm saying. Uh, I think that, um, you know, the whole, uh, you know, synergies and communication process, our relationship, I mean, this is only our second date. And uh, like I've said before, that uh, creepy mustache is still making me uncomfortable. But I, you see, I'm becoming more used to it. <laughs> it just well, takes time, everybody. in your newsletter so we can all see that creepy mustache. You know, may, maybe we will. We, uh, because of COVID, we haven't actually met person to person yet the, the people that I've met from TSN haven't been him he was not supposed to be doing this job I just discovered this person in the background that had a lot of synergies with me and I decided to run with it uh, so this is all new and uh, I'm super happy for Ken that has been able to uh, you know to make an impact on me because not very many people make impacts on me anymore Lou you I love you man you thank you so much for listening and uh, you know the, the reason why we uh, we put that out in the Toronto Star is because we are understand that a lot of our li listeners from uh, uh, a previous life, they don't have social media. So they still believe in traditional communication systems. And I felt that I needed to reach to them uh, from that perspective. Well, it's a great call. And uh, Greg, I have a, a quick question if you have time. Yep. You know, in talking earlier in the show about leasing and purchasing and so on, when you look at the overall cost of owning a car, the capital costs, the running costs, the insurance costs, the licensing costs. If you're driving less than 
let's say, 10,000 kilometers a year, is it really worth the car or should you be using, you know, in your term, really short-term uh, rental through an Uber or a Lyft or that sort of thing? You know, believe it or not, uh, as you know, I, I'm back in school. And uh, the uh, one of the topics Harvard, that I'm... Harvard, right? Uh, yeah. Thank you for saying it on air, Lou. <laughs> well, you, it's you know, not something you want to say for yourself. Uh, yeah, well, you did it for me. Thank you. Uh, so, yeah, I, I was fortunate enough to get accepted at, uh, you know, Harvard School of Business. And, uh, you know, I... The uh, one of the topics that we are addressing right now is disruptive markets, and uh, you know, as as an as an emerging market, the ride sharing uh, you know principle is certainly shaking the foundations of the car industry, especially when more people are now living and working in the same spot. Uh, COVID has really redefined uh, what is necessary from a personnel going to work standpoint, and a lot of people now don't want to get out of the house; they want to stay at home work work at home, live, live in the community, walk to the grocery store, so they don't have the need. And uh, I, I think that you have uh, you know, touched a very, very sensitive subject, Lou, that I would love to address, uh, but I need to address it at length because um, there is something to be said about the practical aspect of having a very, very small vehicle around the house for when you need it, at the time that you need it, whenever you need it. Um, I think that, uh, uh, you know, when when you look at the value proposition of having a vehicle, for example, like the Micra, that it will literally cost you $39 a week plus tax with nothing down to own, uh, then you see, ah, maybe I'm, maybe I shouldn't spend that kind of money if I need only basic transportation. You know what I'm saying, Lou? Yeah, for a grocery getter type of vehicle. Of course. I mean, and, and most people that live and work at home, they don't need anything else. It's the ego, you know? Ego is what plays the biggest factor in people wasting money. But, uh, you know, we got to take a small break, folks. Lou Skisas, thank you so much for calling, man. I really appreciate right, your always support. Always a pleasure. Thank Talk you so you much. This is the Carrasco Show. If you have any questions, there is a very small segment on the show on the other side of this break. 416-870-1050 is the Carrasco Show. Hi guys, this is Roberto Alomar, and you are listening to the one and only The Greg Carrasco Show. Ladies and gentlemen, there's a new radio show coming to TSN 1050. My name is Sean Avery. I love getting under people's skin, but not as much as this guy. You're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show on TSN 1050. I can tell you, Ken, and everybody that's listening to the show, that's my buddy Ken Stapen here with me on the, on the Carrasco Show. He's going to be a regular voice that you're going to hear every Saturday morning, 10 to 1, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. And if you want to listen to the podcast at another time, you can download it from, you know, Apple Podcasts. You can download it. You can go to gregcarrasco.com and we have the actual podcast there that you can download or you can stream it live at tsn.ca. There are so many areas that you can get this content. And I am loving the long form chat. I am loving this. There's a lot more content. 
we can we can chew on a topic a little bit more aggressively than we've ever done before and uh, that makes me super super happy so this is tsn 1050 you can call the show you know you know the phone calls have started to come in and that makes me so happy because this show is for you you have a question you have a topic about anything this is what tsn wanted me to do i am the only non-sports person that they have in the entire network so they took a big gamble on the carrasco show you know this kid i was terrified about this no i can <laughs> confirm that uh, the rest of our programming on this station is sports related but obviously bringing greg on uh, we are excited for the opportunity and excited to work together moving forward and it's been a start of a good relationship i will remind our listeners that you can find the podcast for today's show on tsn 1050.ca under the greg carrasco show tab you can also find the podcast through apple podcasts or on gregcarrasco.com we did have a couple calls come in in the break unfortunately the callers weren't able to stay with us but let's get to the questions that they had uh james from toronto had a question about extended warranties and wondering what to expect he has a six-year-old car the warranty is good for 10 years what should he expect down the road as he starts to experience perhaps technical issues with the car and takes it into the dealership for service you know this is one of the beauties about having an extended warranty folks and and uh, I, i'm going to repeat this I, I will reiterate this as many times as i can I think it's irresponsible for you to have a car today that has an average of 25,000 parts, have it in your driveway and not have an extended warranty for the eventuality that something may go wrong and for you to anticipate any surprises when it comes to the maintenance and breakdown of that car. Now, the beauty about having an extended warranty is the following, guys and girls, that if you go to the dealership and you tell them that you have an extended warranty, tell them to do a warranty check. If there are any parts that could and will be covered by that, extended, by that extended warranty, the dealership gets paid no matter what. So the dealership is working for you. And the beauty is that if you have a manufacturer warranty, so if you buy a Toyota, get yourself a Toyota warranty. If you buy a Honda, get yourself a Honda warranty. And I know some of you are going to say, oh, I don't need to buy a warranty if I buy a Toyota. You, you Trust me, you do. And if you have a lease, you get yourself the lease and protection package. I mean, this is just you know this is car buying 101 it's like saying oh i've never been sick before so i'm not going to have life insurance you know it's one of those things that happens so what to expect and uh, kias are phenomenal cars uh, if you do your maintenance if you stay true to the maintenance schedule from the manufacturer you shouldn't have a lot of problems to expect on your kia and honestly you you bought the right thing you did the right thing by buying an extended warranty uh, i think it's important that you recognize when you made a good decision i know there was somebody else that was asking something about a sports car yep um what was uh, Steve in Mississauga? Yeah, that's right. And apologies to any callers that we weren't able to get through. We are getting a little bit pinched for time here. But Steve yeah. from Mississauga, uh, yeah, he had a question regarding a sports car and when yeah. he, he should know it's the right time for him to purchase, whether there's a better time of year or a better time uh, as far as going to a dealership for that sort of thing. And I think also from a personal sense, how does he know it's the right time to invest in a more sporty car such as a Corvette, something like that? Well, it all depends, right? The sort of technology that they want to buy. Uh, you know, the best time to buy a vehicle is when they don't make it anymore. Uh, because at that point is when the, the technology at its best and the deals are, are the highest and the prices is at the low. So for the Corvette, if you want to get a deal on the current generation Corvette and not on the new Corvette, this is the time to buy it. Uh, if you want the newest technology, it's when the, first, the vehicle first arrives. But, uh, um, you know, if, if you want a more in-depth answer to that, Steve, it's almost at the end of the show. So it's probably better that you reach that you reach me now what i'm gonna do for you guys and girls right now is unprecedented 
you know, most of my friends think that I am absolutely insane for doing this. I need you to write this number down. 905-467-0727. You know what the number is, Ken? That's it's, my home phone number. That's your personal phone number. Yes. And you know what, Greg? I thought that I was a little special having the personal digits. But now that you've <laughs> given it out to all of the GTA, I guess I'm just one of those 3.5 million people. Please do not send me pizza at 2 o'clock in the morning like some of you have done in the past. Ha <laughs> ha, that's, that's very funny. funny. Yeah, but uh, no, it's, it's not that fun anymore. <laughs> Now, folks, this this is the rawest, truest, most transparent car show that you will ever hear on the radio. I work in the car industry, and I believe that there is a better way of selling cars, and it's through communication, it's through education, it's through transparency. Now, I hang my hat at Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity, and right now we are at the end of a three-day sale. Um, they have 0% up to 84 months in some models, and all the Infinity product, uh, 19 and 20 in stock, finance and they're covering for two years maintenance no charge and on the Nissan side you have the 2020 Nissan Sentra S or the 2020 Nissan Kicks S that right now you can lease for $279 a month plus tax with zero dollars down and for the duration of the entire lease you don't have to pay for a single oil change or you can just take $500 cash back the cash value is the exact same the entire province of Ontario is coming down to Oakville Nissan in Oakville Infinity for two different reasons number one we are the first combination of Nissan Infinity stores that have no commission salespeople. Folks, we have no commission salespeople. There is no pressure selling. We will try to help you find what you're looking for. And if we don't have it, we'll tell you. And my salespeople don't get hurt by not getting paid for giving you the wrong, the, the wrong advice. But also, our used cars. We have over 120 used cars. That is a one price, best price right up front. And you can exchange it after 30 days when you finance for something of equal value. You can come and find me at Oakville Nissan. There is something happening there at OakvilleNissan.com. Closing time. Open all the doors and let you out into the world. Closing time. Turn all of the lights on. 